Hello there. Today's episode about Final Fantasy VII Remake is brought to you by the wonderful people who've chosen to support the show over at patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zulgeek, Chris Copline, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Jeff, formerly Jerf, Kieran, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Brian Skersha, Randall, Jake Martin, Jenny E., and many more once again have chosen to go over to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, kick a few bucks a month my way and help support the show, and they're getting some treats in return. All of that support is greatly appreciated, and I hope you enjoy the episode today about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Everybody, my name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guests today are longtime friends of the show, many time uh, returning guests, and well, we'll just say your friendly neighborhood eco terrorists, Ryan Arrington. Welcome back. Niggas. <laughs> And returning again is uh, one of my co-hosts on a top three podcast, Aaron Angle. Welcome back. What's up? Hey, real quick. are Have we been on the show more than anybody else has been on the show? You definitely have. Ryan's getting up there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm telling you, we're taking this shit over, Stry. Run it up, baby. <laughs> um, for longtime listeners, you may recognize this particular trio Uh, We've all done the Rocket League episode together, which was episode one of the show. We did Persona 5 Royal, and then not too long ago, we did Sea of Stars. So this is our fourth time together, uh, and we've got a wonderful game today. We're talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is an action RPG developed and published by Square Enix in 2020. A remake, as the title might suggest, a remake of the original Final Fantasy VII which was first released in 1997. Final Fantasy VII Remake covers the opening hours of the original game, five to eight hours of the original game, contained in the city of Midgar, and the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Rebirth continues that story after the party leaves Midgar. This is the sixth Final Fantasy game to be featured on the show, following the episodes about Final Fantasy VI, which Aaron was a guest on, Final Fantasy 9, 10, 16, and the greatest game I've ever played, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. <laughs> that game's awesome. Go play it. I'm, I'm sure. 
Um, if you are listening and you have not played Final Fantasy VII Remake, we are not going to spoil what happens in the story of this game, including changes that happen uh, from the original game in the non-spoiler section. Per usual, you can check down in the show notes for when the spoilers begin. So you can either tap out at that point or you can, you know, burst right on through the spoiler wall into the spoiler section. I do want to note in this episode, we are going to spoil the entire plot of the original Final Fantasy VII, but we will keep that in that spoiler section as well. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the whole plot of Final Fantasy VII, the original game, get out at the spoiler wall as well. With all that being said, let's get started with our elevator pitches for Final Fantasy VII Remake. I say it is Final Fantasy VII Remade, bigger, longer, and very much cut. (laughs) That was for you, Aaron. That was a very good South Park movie reference, Dave. <laughs> uh, what would you guys say for an elevator pitch? I, I, I it, that is that is exactly right. It is the remake of what my, what is my probably my favorite video game of all time, uh, and that that I, I I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to be like, hey, like you should play this game if you've never played the original Final Fantasy VII. I think if you haven't played the original Final Fantasy VII and you want to play this game, I would seriously ask you to reconsider and go back and play the first one because i think a lot of the magic from this game comes from like my original love of the original final fantasy 7 game so but yeah that's exactly what it is man it's 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 a really good remake of what i consider to be one of the greatest jrpgs ever made so there's mine all right long elevator ride (laughs) ryan how about you yeah, this game is the greatest game ever fucking made, and that is a fact. <laughs> that's an absolute fact. Um, and that's pretty much as simple as that, honestly. Uh, yeah, but if you're going to be trying to play the old one, uh, it might be a little tough because it's a little dated as far as the graphics, but god damn it. It is the, it is the, just a fantastic story, and uh, there will be a little biased on my part here. But um, as far as RPG years ago, if, if you enjoy an RPG, you got to go to one of the ones that really essentially just kind of uh, – endorse so many rpgs going forward and uh yeah just kind of paved the way for for the genre right on um we will talk about our personal histories in a second real quick i do want to kind of give people an idea of how long this game is this took me so i've played it twice the first time took me 37 hours Uh, i did plenty of side quests and stuff like that the second time i skipped a lot of side quests and i did the dlc starring yuffie and uh, that took me 35 hours to do the replay. Um, do you guys know about how long your playthrough took you? It had to have been around the same point. I mean, mm-hmm. none of the side quests in this game have you, you know, go in a million different places to figure stuff out. It's, you know, pretty uh, straightforward, uh, pretty linear, I felt, for most of the game. So, yeah, about, yeah. about probably about 35 to 40. Um, I am notorious for just simply finding a way to do too much. Uh, I, I, I probably put 60, maybe even 70 hours into this game. Even if there was only 10 hours, I found a way to put 70 into it. Uh, I tried to stay in the universe as long as I possibly could. But yeah, I'd probably say around, I mean, I did absolutely everything I possibly could in that game. So I'd say probably about 50, 60. Yep. Yep. Did you like get a platinum trophy in this? I don't want to, I don't want to answer that question because no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did not, I did not, I didn't, but All right. uh, a good I think bit of gameplay. I think there are only some some things you can get for towards the platinum trophy from like replaying it again, which I have not done. Oh, true, true. All right, so uh, let us kick off the episode proper by again talking about our histories with the original Final Fantasy VII. 
the Final Fantasy series, because uh, Ryan, you haven't been on for a Final Fantasy game yet. This is your first one. Uh, so what got you into Final Fantasy? How do you feel about the original Final Fantasy VII? You both have already kind of answered that question. And then if there was a special reason for why you wanted to play the remake, which I think we already answered that question too. But <laughs> take it away, Ryan. I'll kick to you first. Yeah, I would love to answer this question. Um, to keep it simply, the reason I got into the game originally um, was my brother, oddly enough. One time he came over with a guide and he showed me this game that basically was a movie. And uh, I was like, okay. It, it looked pretty cool, and I tried playing it by myself once. Uh, prior to this, this with him, I played it by myself. My dad bought it, and I was like, <laughs> again, I, I had no fucking clue what was going on. This is terrible. I'm used to playing like Laura Croft, seeing some, you know, getting some Pentagon titties, and kind of be able to go to my way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. game was far more involved than I wasn't able to at first. So when my brother came over with a guide and showed me essentially kind of at least the basics of how it went, um, yeah, I got sucked in more than I've ever been sucked into any of the game. Period. Uh, the lore, the uh, being able to just getting drawn into the story, the characters, everything just really just captured me. Um, as far as Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII itself goes, yeah, it's um, it's my favorite. I definitely, uh, it's it's quite frankly, I think it's probably my first RPG as well. So I have some bias for that reason. It essentially got me into RPGs. Um, but yeah, uh, outside of that special reason, I just uh, I think the game is just fantastic. It really covers, a, does a great job as far as battle system goes. Uh, introducing some very interesting things as far as that goes as well, and the story itself, I just I don't know. The characters and the story really captured me. Right on, and uh, Aaron, how about you? I've talked about it before, uh, you know, how I mean, basically everything Ryan just said right there. One thing I do want to point out, too, is I, I believe this is how uh, Ryan and I became friends was in gym class. when we both realized that we both like Final Fantasy seven and we were like, OK, so we're going to be best friends forever from here on out. Uh, but <laughs> the one thing I've wanted basically my entire life was for Final Fantasy seven to be remade in whatever fashion, you know, they decided to do it. I wanted even if it was just a scene by scene improved graphics, you know, better sound files, blah, blah, blah. That's all I ever wanted. And I didn't have a PlayStation at this time, but during, but COVID happened and the Final Fantasy VII remake was out. And I was just was like, well, I'll play it eventually someday. But then when COVID happened and I didn't know if I was going to die on any given day, I was like, dude, you got to buy a PS4 and play the FF7. <laughs> like, what if you die in three weeks? This what will are you be your die? only regret. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I could dude but you all you both get that so yeah but that's kind of my i've always loved final fantasy games and this was the probably i mean when i heard it was being made it was probably like the most i had ever anticipated playing another video game Mm -hmm. i was just gonna ask like so the reason i asked you two to be on this episode is because i know you both love the original final fantasy 7 so Uh, so I imagine when the remake got announced that you guys both just freaked the fuck out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wept. (laughs) I wept. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, I, I, I know we're joking here, but Dave, I also wept. Oh, I'm a grown ass man. I have been out. I remember tears for my eyes. Mm. I was so excited for this title because just like Diddy said, I've been waiting for this remake for so long. I mean, I honestly didn't think it was ever going to happen. And uh, Dave, you also did this. You went and saw the actual, um, the orchestra. Did you not, my boy? I did. I went to the Distant Worlds concert. Yeah. Uh, and again, it just, I just love the the environment and the uh, the lore of Final Fantasy VII so much. The music, everything about it. Just, I love being involved in the fact that they brought it back. And they, 
spoiler, they did it again. The fact they were able to make the, the game as good as the first one, in my opinion, or at least close to, uh, yeah, I, I, fuck. Yeah. Um, for me personally, as I've said this on like the previous episodes of the show, I'm a fan of the Final Fantasy series, but I'm not a fan of all of the games in the uh, the series that I've played. I've probably played like 10 or 12 of them, and I like about half of them. And uh, Final Fantasy VII's not one of the ones that I like. I don't really like the original Final Fantasy VII that much. Uh, I didn't have a PlayStation back then, so I did not play this when it came out. I played it for the first time in 2013, just trying to like place what apartment I was living in, you know, when I first played it, I played it emulated on my laptop. It was just like not a great situation. I fell off after a while. Um, I finally, so I played the remake on the day it came out. I bought it. And I think I'm going to take a little bit of credit for making Aaron buy a PS4 to play this. Like it's not all his own existential crisis. I pretty sure I got in the group chat, like, you know, two hours into the game i was like dude this is the best fucking game i've ever played you have to buy this so that that tracks i was probably like okay fine if dave says it's cool i'll spend four hundred dollars on a playstation (laughs) exactly yeah so i played the remake uh back right when it first released then i played the original final fantasy 7 right after it i played it on switch i beat it i still didn't like it that much but i did beat it did finish it but i was excited to play the remake because i remembered like just how I thought I would love the original and I didn't when I first played it, but like a remake is a second chance for whatever reason you didn't like a game. If it's getting remade, if you're not like a hundred percent opposed to the idea of it, then a remake is a second chance for you to experience that. And to kind of get into the quick opening thoughts before we dig in proper, I think this game, Final Fantasy seven remake is one of the best Final Fantasy games straight up whole series, anything with Final Fantasy in the title, this is one of the best. That in is the correct. top three, easily. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, not only that, this is one of the best remakes I've ever played. I did an episode all about game remakes with Dylan and Dave from Offshore Games Cast, uh, and we talked about in that episode how Final Fantasy VII Remake is just an ideal, is the the platonic ideal of a remake. Basically you, you take the original game, you keep the heart of the original game and improve all of the things that you can while maintaining the heart of the original game. And I think they just knocked it out of the park. This is incredible. Uh, even on the replay, I was like, I, I'm not going to do the side quests cause they suck, but all the stuff that matters is great in this. This is uh yeah, this, this is a, a home run of a game in my opinion. And but before we move on, I just want to say it's 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 like a good pie, you know. The secret ingredient <laughs> is love, you know. You can you can tell that the people. I mean, they had people that had worked on the original game working on this game. You could tell that, like, you know, the the people that worked on it put as much love into it as they had for the. They wanted this game to be awesome. And while I'm still on the fence of what I think the rest of the series is going to be, you can tell that the people that were making this game were as in love with it as the audience they knew they were making it for. Yeah, that's true. I'm pretty sure that uh, the creator was quoted saying that he wouldn't do it again. The reason it took so long is that he wouldn't do it again until he thought that he was ready, that it was going to be perfect. He said this way. He wanted this to be quite literally quoted better than the first. Uh, So yeah, he was not, (laughs) he was not fucking around. And you could tell for as soon as the game loads up, it's like, Jesus Christ, this is, 
Like, oh my god, everything this is I've ever wanted. Literally, like when you experience a game, especially from a remake, touching Final Fantasy VII, especially for me, I was like, Jesus, this is dangerous. A lot mm-hmm. of remakes fail, but this one it was just like as soon as it loaded up, I was like, oh my god, they, I think they've done this, and yep. it's it's almost immediate. Um, I do have a question, Dave. Just before we get into it, tell can you tell me why you didn't like the first one, non remade? Oh, the the original one. Yeah i I don't like the combat. I, I think it's simple but also slow like playstation rpgs are yes i i don't i'm not really going out on a limb here and saying i don't like the way it looks um and i think that we'll talk about this in the spoiler section i think the second half of the original game's story is a mess i i don't like it at all um i like the first half and then it just veered into territory that i just didn't give a shit about (laughs) so we will we will talk about that in the spoiler section for sure as we get into kind of predicting where this final fantasy 7 remake trilogy is going to go yes yeah that that's the basics of it cool i was just curious just go for i think that was a a good basis to start off considering how much you like the the remake i'm excited to go for it yeah absolutely and you were mentioning the um the people who made it it was uh this remake was directed by tetsuya nomura uh, who worked on the original story of the original Final Fantasy VII all the way back then. So, was it 23 years later, he's at the helm uh, for the remake. So, good stuff. Let us listen to a bit of music, and then when we come back, we'll set up the story for Final Fantasy VII Remake. In Final Fantasy VII Remake, you play as Cloud Strife, the protagonist of the original game. Cloud is a mercenary joining up with the eco-terrorist group Avalanche. They're on a mission to bomb a Mako reactor. Mako is like an energy source, basically. The reactor is owned by a corporation called Shinra. Uh, Shinra is going to be your main villain in this game, the first game. Mako is an energy source which is refined from the planet's life stream, but drawing that power out of the life stream is weakening the life energy of the planet. So you are eco-terrorists trying to save the planet by blowing up these reactors. The bombing mission, which is like the first hour or so of the game, it was the demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake. The bombing mission is a success, but there's a lot more collateral damage than you anticipated. Uh, Kind of leaving everybody in the group wondering if they did the right thing. Before we talk about anything else, I just want to say, you you mentioned, uh, I think it was you, Ryan, when you boot up this game, you get the title sequence, it zooms down straight into the bombing mission. There is no like 15-minute exposition cutscene with the history of the world or something like that. You no see filler. the title card, you go straight down into the bombing mission, you're taught how the combat works, you kind of learn the story as you go through this mission, it was really good in the original game. It's fantastic in the remake. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the one thing I think they do well, and essentially one of the reasons that you love the game is the characters. The way that it starts off is it immediately mm-hmm. starts off with the characters and their engagement with each other. And you're immediately curious, so who is this enormous black dude with yep. his machine gun arm <laughs> talking hella shit? And you're just like, okay. I mean, you're immediately engaged within the, the dynamic of the characters. And mm-hmm. I think they do a great job of just essentially – applying the pedal to the metal with that and they never let off 
I just remember there was this part at the very beginning where they introduced like the the hurdle physics or the slide under physics or s- something dumb where you had to like jump over a wall or something, and I just like could not grasp that they had built in those physics <laughs> to a game that I'm used to playing where you just walked into something. You're like, well, guess I'll go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I think this is a theme throughout the game and is how close they are to matching the tone with the same scene from the original like it's 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 like Gary did said they throw you in hostile the original scene was better but that's how I knew this game was going to be great is after I had played through that first three hours of the game I was like holy shit they took everything from the original and made it 50 times better I am pumped Mm -hmm. during that bombing mission at the beginning you're introduced to a lot of your main characters including Barrett, who is the giant black guy with the gun for an arm, uh, immediately striking character. You'll never forget Barrett once you see him and hear him talk. Uh, Tifa, who is your Cloud's childhood friend, martial artist type, and uh, some supporting members on the Avalanche team, Jesse, Wedge, and Biggs. You meet your main characters. Uh, Again, remember, you are actual terrorists. You're on a bombing mission at the beginning. Some of your characters are left to kind of grapple with what you've done and uh, question whether they're doing things the right way. Uh, Some of your characters are still all for it. Barrett is about that action. Jesse is all about it. Tifa is a little bit kind of, you know, troubled by how everything has gone. It's It's a really interesting setup for a story and a group of characters, why your characters are all working together, uh, et cetera. Yeah, and the coolest thing to me is is the scope they put on to Midgar in this game versus what it was in the original as well. And I, I hate to keep jumping back and forth between the two, but like you you see the ramifications of the actions under a closer lens in the original like you can go around and you can talk to these people and hear the pain in their voices and hear them them being scared and 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 like i said the the one thing that they really really did well at least throughout this game for me was really humanizing midgar and humanizing the people that live in the slums and that do not work for shinra like all of your ramifications you can see every time you do something crazy in this game just go back and talk to the people they're talking about it man and it's Mm -hmm. it's it really makes you like think a lot more than it did you know when i was playing through the original i mean i was also 11 but you know still yeah same i think that's my my fair part of this game is it's basically the same game except definitely amplified as far as like the character uh, interactions you can't you made mention of like the graphics you click clearly if you if you played it when it first came out those were those graphics were hot boy i'm telling you son I'm, uh, it's hard yeah, to see I've, it now hot hot yeah but uh but even then like it's hard to see those iterate the subtle you know little things and and, and when you play uh, the the remake you're seeing those things even tifa makes little uh, makes little um remarks here and there and it's just like jesus the, the game is just it, it's you missed all of these things. You had to basically just imagine them, essentially the interactions when it came to that detail and uh, being able to see the like firsthand is, I don't know. It brings a whole new uh, aspect to the game, which I already loved, which was the fact that the story was fantastic and I already loved the interactions and it even makes them even grander, uh, which I didn't think was possible, but yeah, I, I, I love that aspect of the game. Just like B was saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, I guess the, the final couple characters that you will meet, uh, play a big role in the uh, the story. You meet the local flower peddler named Aerith. Uh, you meet her early on. You eventually you'll meet another party member from the original game, 
Uh, Red 13. Red 13 is kind of uh, uh, an escaped research subject, dog wolf type animal, but it can talk and shit. It's a, it's a very Final Fantasy type of character. Uh, you also meet the game's primary antagonist, Sephiroth, uh, most famous, I think, for skewering Mario in a um, Super Smash Brothers trailer. That was very funny. That was cor- That's correct. That is exactly what I remember him for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the DLC for the game, I already mentioned, I played it. Uh, the DLC focuses on Yuffie, who is a materia thief from a neighboring nation uh, called Wutai. Yuffie was a part of the original game, one of my least favorite characters in the original game. And that is a nice tie-in to uh, what I think this game's biggest strength is. You guys already mentioned this. You're both correct. In my opinion, the biggest strength of Final Fantasy VII Remake is fleshing out every single character to a point where I feel like I know them and care about them. That was one of my issues with the original game is this remake just gives so much more time for everyone to develop and talk to each other and show who they really are. And in the original game, there were characters that I was meant to really care about. And I just didn't, I didn't care about them. So, you know, I I think the, the biggest winners for this are number one, cloud is a big winner, not a fan of the original cloud. Uh, Cloud just gets a lot more time to show more than just being you know, a, a little edgelord like he was in the original game. Uh, Aerith gets a bunch of time for me to, you know, care about her. And uh, Barrett is not just Mr. T anymore, which is great. Great for him as a character. And you can go down the list like, I like Yuffie in this game. The characterization of her is really fun. Uh, whereas in the original, she's super annoying in my opinion. Your side character is Jesse, Wedge, and Biggs, and Don Corneo, and all of them. They're incredible. They're fleshed out, real people. And again, this is the biggest win for a game that has a bunch of big wins in it. Well, and and like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like, I w- once I had played through the game a little bit, I had a like certain expectation that they were going to do those things with the main characters. But it was like the 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 side characters that they ju- that they delved into a little bit more. Uh, that really impressed me. Uh, you get to see a lot more of Rufus and President Shinra in this game. You get to mm-hmm. see way more Heidegger and Palmer and Scarlet than you really ever got from Final Fantasy VII. I mean, they even delve into just something that was a hint in the original game, and that's rude having a crush on Tifa. And like that actually has some important storyline aspect down the road without spoiling anything at all. Um, and I would even say you could take it to like Avalanche has a, a logo. It's like a puppy dog with a helmet. They have logos mm-hmm. and you see their shit everywhere. They, they didn't have those things. So not only is like the, the, the character building and the character fleshing out a big thing, the things they do with Midgar specifically, like those little nuances that they have. You go into the seventh heaven, Tifa's bar, she has a painting like above one of the doors. That's the original bar from Final Fantasy VII in like the original Final Fantasy VII graphics. Like they do a really, really huge service to fans of the original game by mm-hmm. one, staying completely true to like you know what its essence is and then two giving you way more which is was my biggest fear going into this game is like are, are are they going to be able to handle that sort of balance and they did and it's awesome and the, you can notice that through the characters like the fact that they are better than they were in the original to me 
made me question whether or not I actually, you know, Arrington said he liked it more. I still don't know to this day. I'm going to need to play the whole thing before I say that. But, you know, these little things right here, the, the character development, these are the things where I'm like, oh, shit, I might actually be playing a better video game than what I once thought was my favorite video game. Yeah, I- yeah, well, a couple of things like hold up, nigga. I don't, I don't remember saying that it was better, but but you literally I, said it at the beginning. Of the I, don't remember, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But uh, <laughs> I, I will say that um, I'll be, I'll play double advocate. This is that just to touch on what Dave's saying again. At the time when this game first released, what it was capable of doing, it would push the boundaries. I feel like of everything, even of storytelling um, and everything. So again, approaching it later on, it's you're not going to really be able to capture all that now because. I mean, yeah, you got people just looking basically real. You know what I'm saying? And just being able to, and the, the fucking emotions, everything that are conveyed now are just insane compared to, to that time. But that's, a, again, that's one of the reasons I do love the second one is that all, everything, you get everything from the first one and then essentially more, which I can't, I cannot believe that they, they managed to do. Honestly, just going into a game and just with, <laughs> Just being scared. I'm mm-hmm. honestly, that's yeah, best thing straight up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nervous. I, I, nervous. That's how, like that's how much on a I roller care. coaster. Really? For sure. I mean, that's how much I, it means. That's how much I cared about this title. It, I mean, it, but uh, they they managed to do it and then some. And uh, I can't. I mean, honestly, being really kind of kind of said everything realistically outside of that. <laughs> Uh, honestly, the, this is cool that the vibe is so much different than it was when we did our Sea of Stars episode. Like, we're oh, all yeah. happy, and I might cry, <laughs> and Dave might cry. Stride, Stride's I'm cried six times already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric did big crying. Uh, I, I, I love this game so much. I'm so, I'm so glad we're actually doing an episode about it. Yeah, 100%. Me too. And, like, I'm glad, because, like I said, like, I, I played, I've played the section of the original Final Fantasy VII that this remake, you know, expands out. I've played that original section two times and I just didn't care that much about Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, and a bunch of... I cared about Barrett because Barrett's funny, but I didn't really care about any of the main cast that much. Later on, when you start to learn, like, some of Barrett's backstory and stuff like that, I thought that was cool, but, like, I didn't really care. And, like, when bad things happened to some characters, like, I didn't really care in the original game. I wasn't emotionally invested. I I don't know where this remake story is going, but I am going to be devastated by whatever happens to whoever something devastating happens. Because they made me care so much about everybody in the main cast there's some side characters that like one of the unfortunate side effects of taking this small piece of game and blowing it up and giving so much attention to every character even the side characters is there are a bunch of side characters that i think are really annoying and they just get more screen time now because there's more screen time to be had so characters like reno and that piece of shit johnny and that fucking piece of shit chadley i hope dies <laughs> I'm about to get behind that. He's a child. Yeah, he's His a name piece is of shit. He knows he's a piece of shit. His name is Chadley. His name is Chadley, and he's 45 years old. Okay, maybe uh, we're not thinking about the same person. You know, he's definitely, he's definitely a child, but he's a piece okay. of shit. He knows he's a piece of shit. <laughs> His name is Chadley. <laughs> I was like, damn, I've been hating on the wrong dude. No, That's no, no, no. Chadley's terrible. But like, the unfortunate side is those characters that I don't like get more time in the spotlight too, but that's worth it because all the characters that I either did like or was indifferent to in the original game get so much more time. And again, like Cloud is better. Aerith is way better. Barrett is way better. There's way more depth to Barrett 
in this game. Tifa is better. Yuffie is a million times better. So I'm thinking forward to other characters that we're going to meet in the future games. I'm like, am I going to care about Vincent this time? Am I going to care about Sid? Is Sid going to be cool in this Shit, game? Are they going to even put Vincent in the game? Are you saying Sid wasn't cool in the first one? Dude, dude Sid it, was an asshole. God, how could you like Sid in the first game? There, there are limitations to what you can do with character development on the PlayStation 1. Like, instead you of could, having You could make him not be a piece of shit boss. to his wife. That's a, that's I, I, a real I, easy way to make him likable. I don't, know, I don't know, man. I feel like he kind of redeems himself, but that's that neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not his wife. Hold up. That was his fucking partner. Okay, his okay. partner. Sorry. He did he did sorry. blow it. He did sorry. blow that. Okay. Right. He did yell at her a whole bunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. God damn it. All right. Um but Vincent is gonna be in the next game. They did confirm that. He's cool. You can't play as him, but he's gonna be there. Kind of like Red Thirteen in this game. That's fair. I yeah, guess. that'll probably end up being my rant towards the end. Uh my dragon rant not being able to fly rant towards the end is that red thirteen. And I do want to address that very quickly. Um, mm. is that it, it going forward, he will be referred to as the goat, I'm guessing, is is Red Thirteen. Uh, because he's he 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 may be the best character of the game, uh, but definitely top, top two. He he he's the he is the boy. <laughs> All right. I almost shit my pants when I saw him, and I that I did the opposite when I saw Kate Sith. I was like, oh, they're bringing Kate Sith back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still the game. <laughs> Apparently, Kate Sith is not the way you're supposed to pronounce that. It's, uh, and I, I can't remember how it's actually pronounced, like Cat She or something like that. And wow. they, that sucks for those they, uh, American translators, I guess, because we're going to call it Kate Sith well, forever. They, they, forever. they switched it for the remake. They were like, no one can fucking say this anyway. We're just calling it Kate Sith from now on. Oh, they did actually make that Kate yeah. yeah, they we did. We finally oh, got one, guys. Oh, we finally good. won one. <laughs> it feels uh, real good. Which, you know, it's kind of fucked up because they didn't make up the name it's like a thing from mythology i forget what country it's from but like they it would be like if someone took fucking paul bunyan into another game and just deliberately mispronounced it and we're like that's not how you say it and they were like nah fuck you we're not changing it <laughs> yeah, posh, you start calling my nigga posh boggle for sure it was just, <laughs> yeah, posh, just had to posh eat that. Boggle. Mm-hmm. i'd be bad uh, but anyway um yeah characters big win in this game another thing you guys mentioned before was building out the city of Midgar. The original game took place with these, you know, fixed camera angles, pre-rendered backgrounds. Um, I thought those places looked pretty good, like way better than the character character models and stuff, obviously. But in this remake, the city of Midgar gets blown up. You can move the camera around. You can look up like it for people who've never played Midgar is this giant city that has this multi-level structure. So the ground level is the slums. And then the ground level is covered by these giant metal plates that are suspended like hundreds of meters above the surface. That's where like the business and upper class districts are. So like the slums, they don't see the sun and shit like down there. They just have artificial light. Everyone's living good up on the upper plate, but this game mostly takes place down in the slums. And the way that all of this is built out, the way that you can see the scale of the city is another thing that just, it really helps the story. It helps you feel like you know this place where the game is taking place in because they really put a ton of effort into, like we said with the characters, fleshing this out. Yeah, and it's the anticipation of what's to come that makes me so excited. I could sit here, we could talk for two hours just about Midgar. 
and what it looks like and how they made it look from the original game and, and how great that all is. But what that really makes me think is are things like, so like, what the fuck is the golden saucer going to look like? Like, I can't even like imagine, you know, what they're going to do when they have like that, the city of the ancients, which I thought was very, very plain in the original final fantasy seven. Like, you know, what are they going to do with that? Like when I see what they do with the, which, you know, Midgar is awesome and everything like that. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I feel like a very, you know, it's, it's so far in the beginning of the game that you kind of forget about it by the time you go on through. Like, but just seeing how much they put into that specific city, like I'm, I'm, I'm literally just thinking, like, well, they did this so perfectly. What's, what's calm gonna look like? You know, what's Nibelheim gonna look like? Like they, they do such a good job of it that all it makes me want to do is see all of the other big play, like Wu Tai. Like, dude, Wu Tai is gonna be so fucking cool when they bring it into the game. It's gonna be awesome, you know. But I know that because of how good and you know how much depth there was to Midgar as well. Yeah, I mean. I'm gonna, as you can probably already tell, I'm an emotional ass nigga. And uh, when I go mm-hmm. into Cos- Cosmo Canyon for the first time, uh, which is going to feel like the first time again, because that's that's how good the game is. It's like being able to experience the first one again, which is just fucking. Mm-hmm. It's such a honestly just a treat. It's the best way for me to put that. The fact that I feel like I get to experience the game I love more than anything again. Uh, but yeah, Cosmo Canyon is going to break me, and I, I know that that's coming. Uh, but yeah, they've. Yeah, fucking a! Like thinking about Gold Saucer, I cannot. Again, I can't say that. I cannot believe how good they have done at taking the first game, and they. I can't believe they've done it again. Let me ask you guys a question, and I think I might already know the answer to it, but on the subject of Midgar, Midgar is like, like I said at the top, like a five to eight hour section of the original game. Like five hours is an average, I guess. Like you can take your time if you want to, but it's not a long part of the original game, and it's the entire game in Final Fantasy VII Remake, this, this part one of three that they've planned. So did this feel padded to you all or were you just happy to be there? No, I wanted more. I want, I wish that was an 80 hour game, dude. I, I could literally <laughs> spend a whole trilogy just walking around Midgar to be completely honest with you, dude. Yeah, I feel similar. I, I that's why I got, I get stretched out to 60 hours because again, I, I would, I, I mean the amount of time I'd spent in the flower garden, just listening to the music and the music Literally, is maybe one of the greatest scores just ever, just as far as mm-hmm. gaming history. I, I put that on everything. I, I will fight, nigga. Yeah, Jimmy David. Same. I, 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 Dave, if I could look at your eyes, bro, I would. I would fight. <laughs> like over the shit. You know, <laughs> but I'm seriously, it's 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 just splendid, bro. And uh, yeah, I, I could have. I wanted more than this one thing that being being talked about for sure, as far as uh, going forward. And that's the only, honestly, quite frankly, the only thing I can say is my issue about the game is the fact that they split this into a 55. Fucking goddamn game! Like it's not going to be a just a trilogy. I don't, I don't know what you would call it. To be honest with you, I think it's going to turn into. They're talking about ten years of this. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what to say to that. But mm-hmm. uh, 
as far as this game goes. The universe is fantastic. I think they did a great job, Igbar, even for as linear as it was, because I feel like it was pretty straightforward, which mm-hmm. is how the first one was as well. Um, fuck, everything looked awesome. Like, even considering it was pretty fucking rough to watch, I mean, everything was pretty poor. I mean, it was pretty slummy. I mean, they did a great job of that, but everything was fleshed out as fuck. Yeah, I didn't feel the padding as much the first time I played it because I was just wowed by how they created the city. So it was some of those, you know, underground or like lab levels. I was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of, you know, underground labs, but anytime you're outside and you can really take in like the scope or the scale of how big the city is and how big they've made it, that was great. And so all of those sections, they didn't really feel like they dragged uh, for me. Some parts of the game, Felt like they go on a little bit too long. Like I said, some underground stuff that I was like, okay, can we wrap this up? I want to go back outside. And the other thing is the side quests, which I mentioned before, I think are the side quests are like pretty bad overall. Like a lot of them are real waste of time and they try to do that thing where sometimes Cloud will kind of talk to another character and he'll be like, this is beneath me. This is a, this is a waste of my time. And the other character is like, ha ha ha. You're so angry all the time, cloud. And a lot of <laughs> Waste, games will do that. Wasting your life right with us. Yeah. A lot right. of games will do that. They'll be like giving the player a little nudge like, ah, this sucks. Doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it does kind of suck. Can, can we make it not suck? Can we just, could I just not be doing this? So the second time I played it, I skipped a bunch of those side quests and the pacing felt a lot better as a result. Yeah, I, I don't have a single memorable side quest that I can think of. Now, it has been four years since I have played this game, uh, but I should be, be able to remember something, but I, I really don't. I remember most of them just being like fetch quests, and if you if you complete it, it's like, oh, you get three elixirs, and I'm mm-hmm. just kicking the living shit out of people like without the need of elixirs for the most part. So, yeah, I, I, I would say that that is probably my biggest issue with the game, but honestly it's pretty that's that 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 that's pretty much in line with how i feel like every final fantasy game side quests are you know so it's it, it didn't disappoint me and i wanted to do them just in case i was able to see any extra content but yeah if i were to replay it again to you know try to platinum hunt or whatever i i probably wouldn't do any side quests which is why i'm excited for chocobo racing because that i will do a lot of <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the uh the good part about the side quests is you spend more time with your characters. So if it's like Cloud and Tifa go out on some side quests, they will talk to each other during the quests and the dialogue between them is often good, entertaining. All the characters have good chemistry together. Uh, So that is more of the reward than you're going and actually doing something interesting or getting a good reward. It's more just like more time spent with the characters, I think. Yeah, I also agree. I would explain to you that I adore this game and every fest is my favorite game, but the side quests are fairly, fairly Duke. There's really no way around that. They're, <laughs> I mean, the, I'm even just like, <laughs> they're pretty, they are pretty fucking basic, but that's, I mean, I, I feel like the side quests are for somebody like myself who just, just drools over the, the environment and being back in the lore in the universe, which I mm-hmm. did. Um, I, I don't think for your, your, your base, your most average person is just going to kind of just, you know, traverse do some things here and there but i did absolutely everything and i could i could agree you could definitely go no problem without doing any of those which i would probably also do in the second game i think that's a good description um you know there you'll the first time you play through most of them but the second time you're like no nah, i'm chilling on that yeah yeah that's true i guess there aren't a ton of games where i'll go do all the side quests my second time even if they are really good so yeah that's true 
One final thing to mention about the story in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I'm going to keep this as vague as possible, but this game is a remake of the original story, but there is new stuff added in to the story. There are some changes made. Uh, You meet some characters at different times than you did in the original game. For example, if this remake was told 100% faithfully to the original game, you would not meet Sephiroth at all, which they can't do that, like, unless they were so dedicated to making a faithful remake. Uh, In this game, you see Sephiroth like an hour into the game, and Sephiroth is around. It's not that different from the original story. Like, there's not much that actually does change from the original to this remake. But this game is kind of like in conversation with the original game, we will say, and the fans in a way. Um, I think this is, there are like two main goals that this game had, which was to give you more time to love the characters and to kind of set this up. And I don't want to say a whole lot more about it, but I found this very interesting. Um, And we're going to talk about it in the spoiler section. I have a lot of thoughts about this in particular. So like to sum this all up, they did not change the story of what happens, but this is kind of in conversation with the original game in a kind of meta way. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, that's uh, honestly one of the biggest things about the anticipation of the second title is they, and again, without delving too far, as somebody who has played the original game and is a huge fan of it, they did a very good job with certain uh, uh, plot points in the story to make me question whether or not I actually am playing the same game or not. And I feel the game was doing a pretty good job of trying to subvert my expectations as to what I thought the story would be. And that is the most I can talk about it without spoiling anything, because I also have stuff to say. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you guys this. So as huge fans of the original game, I already established I was not a huge fan of the original game. So I'm not married to them being faithful to the original game. Like when it came out that this was not a 100% scene by scene faithful remake, that did not bother me in the slightest. Did you guys feel let down by the fact that this is not a scene by scene faithful remake of the original? No, 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 no. Because all I want is more. Like if they were to do a scene by scene remake of this game, uh, I would enjoy it, but that would be, it's, it would be like a surface level enjoyment. Like, okay, cool. I got to see this game with the upgraded sound files and the new graphics and the fleshed Mm -hmm. out characters and blah, blah, blah. But I am never going to be upset if they change the story and they do it correctly. Like, right. I do. I don't think there is something they could change to the actual plot that would make me upset. Like no, no matter what, I I don't think there's anything that they can do that would like a major story change that would upset me enough to like, you know, be really mad about it. I, I want that extra. I I want more. I want more story. I want to be on the edge of my seat. And that's the other scary thing about like this whole thing is regardless of how good the game is, like, are they going to change it too much? I I, I don't personally think so. Uh, But no, I, I, I I love the fact that there's more content, more content that is good. That's what I want. That's what I expected. And after playing through the first game, I'm like, well, they're going to nail the rest of this. Hell, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What really well said there, Diddy. Uh, Honestly, 
what Diddy said was, which is upgraded graphics and audio. That's quite frankly, that's that's all I wanted. That's all I prayed for. I was just like, just just give me the game, same game, just remade with upgrading. I thought it would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has turned into something completely fucking different, which it's it's like yeah, my expectations have been blown away. Um, <laughs> and I can only assume it's going to continue to do so. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm expecting too much now because of how good they've done, but at this point, <laughs> I can only assume it's going to be you know better than than what the first one did as far as the second disc uh, would have been considered as far you know, as far as overall uh, mm-hmm. gameplay. Yeah, I want to kind of manage expectations for people who haven't played this, who did play the original FF Seven. The story again, the story in this remake is not different from the original game. But I think the way that they're going about it is it is different. They added stuff and they changed some stuff. The things that happen are not that different. So it's kind of hard to describe without spoiling. Um, but it is setting up kind of a bit of an open-ended future for this remake trilogy. And that's something I can't wait to talk about in the spoiler section. And for now, I want to put a pin in this before we say too much. And when we come back from this music break, we will talk about the music and the way the game looks. So Final Fantasy VII Remake, starting with how it looks, it looks great. That's the best way to start it that I can think of saying. Um, I, I think we already kind of mentioned this before, but just want to touch on again. The outdoor spaces in Midgar, the way the city looks, the way that, uh, especially later parts in the game where you go up high, like you maybe you're on the upper plate, or maybe you're climbing up to the upper plate or something like that, and you get like these vistas out and you see what's going on in the city. Like, there's some disasters that happen throughout the game, and you can kind of see the the aftermath of those things. You can see how big the city really is. Those are unquestioned wins, as far as I'm concerned. Probably my favorite part of the way the game looks. I mean, the character models, they look amazing because it's a high-budget AAA game. They're going to look good. But what really struck me again was being outside in Midgar seeing how just how big this place is and seeing how things that are happening in the story affect the city and, you know, these large sections of the population and stuff that are affected by all these things happening. Visually, that's that's my favorite part. The the one thing that Final Fantasy to me has always been mo- known for, and I may have spoke on this a little bit in our uh, Final Fantasy VI episode, is every time a new Final Fantasy game, game comes out, it's almost like they set the, set the standard for video game graphics when they do. At least that's how it's always been to me. Like I remember playing the original Final Fantasy VII game and seeing some of the cutscenes in that and just being like, what the fuck am I looking at? I remember uh, Final Fantasy X doing the same thing for me. I remember Final Fantasy XIII doing Dude, the same thing for me. I, uh, I kind of shit on Final Fantasy XVI in my episode on this podcast, but the one thing that everyone's in a is Final Fantasy 16 looks ridiculously good. 
Yeah, and, and I have not played that game, but if we are following the path of what I'm saying here, it would only make sense that yeah. Final Fantasy 16 would have would have the best graphics. Like, you know, uh, the Final Fantasy 7 remake had better graphics than Final Fantasy 15, I think. And I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. the kind of person that's going to harp on graphics because I play a lot of uh, video games that I wouldn't say are visually pleasing like a, a lot of the time. Um, but uh, not only do... did they i think set a standard for like video game graphics like at the time everything you said is absolutely true we've talked about it a little bit like the world feels so much more open even though it's 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 not i I guess it is in the sense that you are in midgar in the original game too and you can't go anywhere um but just opening up that world i remember go like one of my favorite things to do in this game. And this is probably one of the reasons why Stry probably put as many hours into it as he did as well is going back to those old locations from the first game, just to see what they looked like. Just to, the, the cat slide, the cat slide always stuck out to me in Final Fantasy seven. It's in that little playground in mm-hmm. the slums. And yeah. when I saw it, it's like right outside of the wall market, I saw that thing. I was like, this looks beautiful. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. And I don't know why that specific thing held so much for me, but the little things like that, I was excited to go back and see and see how they had done. So I'm not going to harp on, you know, any, any more about this, but it's, it's, it's just like every other thing on here. They took what the original game had and they made it better. And I, like, like I said, I, I'm not going to be mad that it's not perfect, you know, but in terms of like the graphics and stuff like that, do they literally took everything I love from that game and made it look cooler? Yeah, the graphics. I, I, I say it this way: the, it made me feel the same way I felt when I played the very first one when I was a fucking mm-hmm. just a little ass nigga and loaded it up. I was blown away. Um, that's the way you feel the first time, and if you played the first one, then you'll feel the same way that that you did then. If you haven't, you'll still be hell impressed. Um, I think even if you're playing it right this second, even though I think it's, it's got some age on it, I still think that you're going to play this game and, and be impressed by the way it looks and the way it feels. Uh, they managed to modernize in every single aspect of the game. And the, uh, somehow, again, I think they've still outdone themselves um, when it comes to that genre. I think it's fantastic. I don't think any other RPG I'm playing currently that would be considered that genre matches it, in my opinion. Yeah, there are some things that show its age as like a PS4 game. You know, now that we're playing it in 2023, yeah. uh, it's 2024 when this episode comes out, there are some things that, you know, give away that it's a PS4 game. Like it has a bunch of those sections where you squeeze through cracks to hide loading screens and um, stuff like that. It has a bunch of like environment textures that don't look great. People love to harp on those when the game first came out. And I'm like, man, look at, look at Barrett's character model. Like, how are you focusing on like what this fucking metal sheet texture looks like look at barrett look at tifa like goddamn look at look at how the character look at don corneo this fucking squirrely motherfucker specifically look at tifa look at her close yeah they they just brought all of this to life in in such a an amazing way and this this game has a bunch of really goofy costume designs character designs like you've got garrett uh, barrett with his gun arm you've got uh Aerith with her like you know flower girl thing you've got tifa as mentioned before um everything fits together really cohesively i think like red 13 visually fits into what everything else that's going on in the game and he's a talking wolf creature 
thing, lion. I don't I don't really know what red thirteen is, but he's a goat, Dave. He's the goat. Okay, there you go. That's, fourth, that's my boy. answer for what he is. He's a goat. Um, it all looks really, really good. So, just a, a big win, in my opinion. Certain sections of the game really stand out too, as like you know, this was a colorful, striking portion of the original game, and they are full in this. Like sections in Wall Market look ridiculously cool. It's all lit up. It's at night. It it looks like the bustling you know nightlife area of the slums uh, that it that it is. Um, the part where Cloud dances is just like uh, so fun to watch. It's really, really great. I was wondering if we were going to talk about that. That's Dude, so of funny. course we're going to talk about. That. What do you? That's come on, that was, man. That was the thing that took me out of the game the most. But I was like, no, nah, I'm nope, nope, nope. I'm playing an RPG. This is what you have to expect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let let it not let us not get out of the talking about how the game looks without talking about like the retooling and revisioning of like the uh, enemy design. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a really good job with a couple of different things. I don't remember the thing it was called but it's like the giant bonefish like boss that you fight that's like oh, a caterpillar yeah, right. you know uh when you fight the uh that the house, house dude yeah. yeah when you fight the house again <laughs> for the first time like that you know and not only in terms of what they look but how they you know it, it, it's so different with the combat system being what it is in this game versus the last game that it was really really cool seeing not only like these character designs or, the, or these enemy designs but also how they function within this kind of battle system but i i cannot talk enough about that that house that house was one of the craziest fights i ever played in any video game and it just looked beautiful throughout the whole thing so i I just wanted to give a shout outs to like if we're going to talk about the character designs let's talk about the enemy designs too the combat designs they were uh, the the magic it was awesome absolutely let's uh and and for those who didn't play it and are just kind of listening along thank you for listening you did not hear that wrong you there is a boss fight against a literal house and it's very good. It's a very good boss fight. Yeah, that used to be just a just a random encounter in the first one, and they made that legit because that's how it felt. Even in the first one, it was it was rough. Um, <laughs> and one thing I actually love about the game now, I'm thinking about it, is the fact that I feel like they do a great job in storytelling. That the thing about it, you could tell how much the person that made this loved this game. Even the first one is like I feel like all three discs or parts of the game essentially were were essentially broken down into the overall uh, environment, which the first one feels like everything's very linear and very small. You're doing, you're, you're these people trying to save the world or essentially, which is this very small portion of the world at your current point is just, just the slums and blah, blah, blah. And then as you go from the first one into the second one, it's like becomes this uns- insanely great. It's like, Oh shit. Okay. Oh, we gotta, we got, we're, we're actually trying to save this fucking, actual fucking world. And it, I feel like it's represented there very much because the first one feels very small in a sense, just because, you know, you're in this very confined area. And as you go into the second one, everything becomes very open, just like the game and the story and everything else suddenly be, be explodes very much. So I think the pacing of the game is fantastic. Or really, honestly, I can't really say that enough. And I felt that even more so in the first one of how, you know, you really feel like things are pretty safe in this little small town, this little small city. Mm-hmm. And then just is like, shit, these ideas that you put on have started to fucking cause a whole lot of uh, some, maybe more than you were expected and you feel that in the game and it really carries over and the graphics and everything uh, just really again just capitalize on really showing that even more so than it did in the first one uh, you feel that the choices even more so because you get to see how it affected everybody you see a bunch of uh, kids with all, a bunch of legs all snapped in half and just all bent to back I mean you don't, you don't see that in the first one like that you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying even if you did you wouldn't feel it the way that you do in the second one because the graphics are so much better at, at conveying emotion and the overall atmosphere of everything. 
Um, and again, I just feel like they did. A re- I can only assume that. I hope they do that in the second one, where or in the remake, where they everything starts to become very grandiose as you become going to like an almost uh, like an open world kind of a uh, environment. So that's the that's the question, like right, like because when the, you get out of Midgar, the game goes from being contained in this small little city to now you are in an open world. And while you don't have access to the whole open world, there is an idea of how big this place is. That is one of the things I'm most interested by the next game coming out is like, what are they going to do with the open world aspect? Are they going to keep it? You know, like Final Fantasy 15 was not a game I loved, but the open world aspect of it was amazing. You know, they they did a really, really good job keeping that game going with that big of an open world. I'm very excited to see if they do that same thing or if they keep it more linear in this one. Uh, so I think that's a good point to bring up because that is one of the things I'm most curious about going into this next game is, okay, what happens when we make this bigger? Yeah, I don't expect them to go full open world with the next one. But I, I kind of expect them to do kind of what Final Fantasy 16 did, which is 16 is a linear game, but there are lots of points in the game where you can like basically fast travel to these bigger zones that you can kind of roam around in. Uh, so instead of having one giant open world, it's got like 15 zones that you can go to and run through. And that's kind of what I'm expecting unless they're just going to shrink down the size of the world uh, because you, in those old games where you were running around on an overworld, you did get a sense of like, this is a really big place and I'm just crossing it quickly because it's a video game, but you did feel like it was a really big place. And I don't expect them to make like a, a giant open world uh, for the future. Kind of going along with giving more space for the character's, giving them better character models, fleshes out their characters. The final piece of the puzzle is that Final Fantasy VII Remake, of course, has voice acting, which the original game didn't have. And I don't I don't have emotional attachment to the original game, so I want to hear what you guys think about this. They gave voice acting to all the characters, every single person you talk to in the game basically is voice acted. And I think that this goes a long way to kind of fully forming the characters. The voice actors for Aerith, uh, voiced by Brianna White, and Barrett especially. Barrett was voiced by John Eric Bentley. Those are my favorite voice actors in the cast. Um, Sephiroth, I think, uh, I kind of feel like Sephiroth is worse with voice acting, because uh, he's just very monotone and sleepy and, you know, very JRPG villain voice acting to me. I'm not a huge fan. But the other characters... Big fan, especially uh, I think it's Wedge is voiced by the one of the guys from Breaking Bad who played Badger in Breaking Bad. So that voice immediately <laughs> was like, I know that guy. But yeah, voice acting. How do you guys feel? Well, it's always going to add something. You know what I mean? Uh, add add more depth to the character. The more you add to them, voices being one of those. I don't have really thoughts or opinions on this either way. I do think it's very much like a Japanese video game. I think it's very poppy and anime and the voices come out like that especially through the girls i feel like sometimes they're just a bit much personally (laughs) uh but the red 13 voice was very very cool uh yeah i mean but that if like like i said like if it's going to come down to like fleshing out the characters more like yeah 100 does i wasn't blown away by any of them cloud but okay so here's what i will say is the uh the voices sounded pretty much what I expected them to sound like. 
And that, that's what okay. I'll, I'll go with it from there. there. There wasn't anything that made me mad about them. Uh, but to me personally, I just, I didn't think they added a whole much, but to a whole bunch, but to somebody who really didn't like the first game and, and was looking for those kinds of things, I, I understand why it added so much to them. Very, very excited to hear what Kate said. Sounds like very excited to hear <laughs> that guy's voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I actually, uh, I actually agree with Diddy. I think they sound exactly. I think that's why Diddy feels the way he does. Uh, it's because of the fact that they sounded exactly how he expected them to. So as you would imagine, back of the day, I think that's actually just to, speaks to more towards towards the game. The fact they managed to pick characters that sounded exactly like you would assume they would in the first one. Um, outside of, I would agree, unfortunately, Sephiroth. I feel like Sephiroth. Sephiroth is literally a character that where you love. It is probably my favorite villain ever. Uh, I love the character until I ain't gonna talk about. It. Let me slow it up. But I, I, I love I love the boy essentially, and he's one of the characters oddly, oddly enough that you're rooting for up to a certain point, um, and even afterwards. Just his character design, he has just a a suave about the nigga that is just clean. God damn! And let's not talk about the sword. It's just like, like the size of like fifteen, fourteen niggas combined is wild. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they did a great job as far as that goes. It was just interesting to me, like. I wondered how you guys felt about it. Cause like you think about you read a book, right. And you kind of populate these voices for the characters in your head, how you feel like they sound. And then like a TV show comes out and some of them might not sound right, but I agree with you all that the voice actors that they picked and the way they were directed was really good uh, for what that character is, especially like, I really feel like they could have um, just continued to make Barrett into a Mr. T stereotype. And they they gave him a bunch of Mr. T sounding lines, but they also gave him a bunch of like more reserved lines, especially when dealing with his daughter and stuff like that. So that's just an example. I think a lot of the characters across the board have this working in their favor too. I think the voice acting is done really, really well, and it adds a lot to the characterization where the original game just didn't flesh them out as much in that way because it couldn't, right? Yeah, same thing with their faces, man. The original game, you never got to see their face except on like the menu screen. True. This game, they they smile and everything, you know? But I, <laughs> I think I think Arrington made the best point is like, and, you know, coupled along with what you said about like getting an idea for the character's voice in your head. Like, don't get me wrong. The, the actors and everything did a great job in the voice direction. The sound direction is great in this game. But I, I, I feel like, you know, I that's just kind of what I expected everybody to sound like. Cloud sounded exactly like the Edgelord. I thought he always did Barrett. i feel like is still probably more mr t than you're giving him credit for in this uh personally <laughs> like i still think he's got a lot of that in him uh but not to take away from anything that they did but i did i did feel like it was very much just like okay this is what i expect from this okay they hit it i'm never gonna think about it again yeah, I actually think he sounded more Mr. T than I thought he did in my head playing the original. <laughs> Man, can we give a fucking shot? This is, this is why Final Fantasy VII is, is one of the ghosts is because the characters are so unique for the time. They have a brother just mm-hmm. literally running the fucking show, talking mm-hmm. shit from jump. I'm talking from, I'm talking as soon as the, the motherfucking screen load in, but they get my boy off the mm-hmm. train. Who are you mm-hmm. talking to? Yeah, boy. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Off top. And then that <laughs> never stops. And I, I love that about the game is the fact that they attack that. And, and, and let's be honest, Barrett, <laughs> the, as far as just the, the Japanese folk go, when it comes to displaying a brother, it has gone off the rails a bit. 
Shout yes. out to Mr. Popo. Okay. Yeah, shout out. So, so, to have a character represented this way, my nigga's got a gun arm. He's swole, yeah. and he's they got do. a little shit to talk. And guess what? The, the everybody else is listed. I'm just that's saying. What the pe- mm-hmm. That's what the people want to see. I, I'm just, shout out, shout out to Mr. Popo. I, I'm, shout out to Mr. Popo. He gonna go. But also, I'm just again saying for a brother to be represented this way, I thought it was fucking dope. Again, that's one of the reasons I was drawn in immediately to the game, and is one of the reasons I was drawn out to the game uh, throughout the rest of the game. Well, that's that's why I'm giving credit to the voice direction and the character writing for Barrett, because like I didn't say there's no Mr. T. He's very much like a Mr. T type character, but there's more to him in the remake. Whereas in the original, I don't remember that really being the case. Uh, He was 100 percent Mr. T. And in this one, (laughs) he when the when the situation calls, he pitied the fool. (laughs) Again, for me, when I played the game originally, I did not hear so much Mr. T. But I also, man, I, again, I grew up with a black family, so I, I saw more of just a, just a normal motherfucker just talking hella shit. But <laughs> now, seeing, hearing his voice, I'm just like, God damn, there was hella Mr. T. That, that, was, I, the, that was the was original intent. Apparently, correct. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I missed the original. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you know it was the original intent because they had every opportunity to not do that in the remake now that it has voice acting. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they could have they avoided the whole thing. Yeah, not, they're not, like, not nope, as much cursing. Yeah. No, yeah. they spearheaded that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, big thing to talk about with the remake is the music. The music is done uh, in this game. It's an orchestral score by Masashi Hamauzu and Mitsudo Suzuki, not Nobuo Uematsu. The score from the original game and the songs that they're reworking were done by Nobuo Uematsu. But in this game, the arrangements were not done by him. Um, they are his songs. They carry all of the things that made the original soundtrack great, and they are just blown up to include more instrumentation, real instrumentation, as opposed to the original game. Um, great action songs, great quiet songs, and the probably the thing that stands out the most to me, and the thing that was my favorite part of the original game that I didn't like that much was the music. I loved the music, even though I did not really connect with the game as a whole. So now they are taking the thing that I really loved and just giving it more of like a soundscape to play with. Like they have actual instruments and entire like orchestras and they can make the arrangements however they want to, to convey whatever emotion they want. And so those emotional attachments that I had to like Aerith's theme or Tifa's theme or the battle music, or the beginning when you you see the title card and it zooms down into the bombing mission song. All of those are, we've been saying it a lot, but brought to life, where I, I thought the original music was good. I enjoyed the music, but it, it's just something different in the remake. And it's, it's just another, you know, feather in the cap. I think this is just fantastic. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm not much one to talk about music. That's not really like my whole thing. But I I am on Arrington. Like, if I see you in the street and you tell me Final Fantasy VII does not have the greatest video game soundtrack, it is on site and it is without question, right? <laughs> but uh, so I'm not I'm not I'm not going to talk. I I love this soundtrack. The the thing is, as, as I've kind of listened to uh, orchestrated pieces of this soundtrack for 
basically since YouTube existed. Uh, so it, it wasn't like so much refreshing to me or anything. I thought it was kind of in line with what I expected from it. Um, but I was looking up some Easter egg things today. And one of the things that I noticed is like, or one of the things that I had read was that they take certain characters, character themes and use them to elude the future or like a, yeah, or, or, or foreshadow like some of the things that happen to this character without going too much into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barrett has a bigger backstory um, and it involves him in his, you know, going ons with Shinra. And in one part of the Shinra building, you can hear some people talking about something that directly references a, a future part of Barrett's character arc. And in the background, they are playing a toned down version of Barrett's theme. It's like Barrett's theme, but with like a few less instruments in it or whatever to mm-hmm. kind of give you that, 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 uh, 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 illusion that something is going on with him. So I really like that. Like when games and movies do these things with character themes, and I don't think that there is any video game anyways, where the character themes resonated with me as much as they did. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not much one to, and I said this talk about the music or anything like that, but, uh, the, the, the soundtrack to Final Fantasy seven is my favorite video game soundtrack and to hear it orchestrated and used way more than it was in the original, uh, made the game infinitely better. I mean, even Dave is somebody who, you know, could only pull a few things he liked from the original game. The one thing that he said he liked the most, or one of the things he liked the most is the soundtrack. This is, and I am not being, you know, over dramatic about this like i am every time i say this but this is the truth this is the best video game music soundtrack so yeah like, like i said i'm I, i've been listening to the orchestrated you know versions of them for so long but the but uh yeah the the how they use them like in different settings how they use them without you knowing that they're using them these little things that the game does i think make it very very cool yeah <laughs> this is this, this buckle up uh but no, <laughs> no, this is, uh, I agree that this is one of the greatest, uh, I think the game is a masterpiece because, and I think that you can start from the, as soon as the game loads up, the very, very first fucking piece off top is just, it's, it's so delicate and exactly, it, it conveys exactly what it wants to the emotion of the game immediately. And that never stops at any point in the game. I will literally have, I will, I will literally, if, if I die first, I will have my niggas play this music at my funeral. Do you feel me? Okay. Um, I think that again, it's just, it's, it's perfect. And again, I think they did an incredible job to convey eight bit, 16 bit at this time, whatever you would consider this a PlayStation uh, to be able to convey the most they did at this time. It is just, it's, it's incredible. Some of the points that the music comes in, which I cannot wait to talk about later, but I don't want to say it now, but the music literally just, uh, it serenades you and, it makes the game in a way for me. I cannot imagine this game without it. Uh, it has set the bar for me when it comes to just appreciating how uh, a musical score can really just elevate anything, <laughs> any any form of entertainment, much less a game. Yeah, that that's one of the biggest wins for this soundtrack, even in the original game, but still here too, like in the remake, is how the music adds emotion to the story and it adds... Like it makes me care about what's going on with characters because I love the music that's associated with the characters. And it's something that Final Fantasy has always been really good at, uh, especially Uematsu's work in the series, is these leitmotifs, these character themes that they represent a character. And then in different parts of the story, in different emotional states, they will reuse that theme. You know, 
Aaron, you okay? Your your light motif is sounding a bit minor key. Like they do that shit. <laughs> Are you sad? Yeah. <laughs> they do this throughout this game, especially like my favorite version of it is the way they do it with Aerith's theme, uh, which is one of my favorite pieces in the history of Final Fantasy music. It's just really great. And yeah, this if I'm thinking about Final Fantasy soundtracks or video game soundtracks in general, uh, this is going to be up near the top. And it's it's building on the bones that the original game soundtrack laid, but it's just brought to life in a way that that really enhances this, enhances the story, enhances the characters. Um, and like the the battle music is awesome too. Like there are so many of the uh, just the main battle songs, the mini boss song, fucking one winged angel. When that comes up, it's all just excellent. Really, really great. There's some of this stuff when I went to that Final Fantasy uh, Distant Worlds concert and they started playing some of the songs from FF7 and I immediately got tears in my eyes. And I was like, I guess I do have that much of an emotional connection to this music and by association to this story. Yeah, and I'm just telling you that when I when we get to Cosmo Canyon and I first hear that do 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 do. Oh yeah, it's it, it's all a do 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 do. It's all over for me, dude. <laughs> Ever since Strider talked about Cosmo Canyon, I've been like, man, fuck, I forgot about all about Cosmo Canyon. And that's the other thing, the anticipation they've done so well in this game. Like I know when it gets to the moments I wanted to get to later in the game, whether I'm talking about the graphics, whether I'm talking about the battle system, whether I'm talking about the music, I know they're going to do it great, which makes me so excited. Yep, let's uh let's move on to uh the last bit of main meat of this non-spoiler section here. Uh so the music is great, obviously. Let's listen to a bit of it, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the gameplay in Final Fantasy VII Remake. So the original Final Fantasy VII was turn-based combat in the older Final Fantasy fashion. This one is not. This one is a, I'm going to say this like a hybrid. It's action combat. You still run around, you press the button to swing the sword, you press the button to block or dodge, etc. But you can pause it at any time, as long as your ATB gauge is filled. You can issue commands to party members to do skills or use skills yourself. So it's like a action with pause combat in the combat you can only control cloud tifa barrett and Aerith. you cannot control red 13 ryan how do you feel about that one more time <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna make him cry just twice. throwing you an alley-oop here on, don't, don't do me like this baby. <laughs> all right yeah so no uh, no red 13 control in this game only cloud tifa barrett and Aerith. what one thing i like about this is that each character has a role to play in the combat system. 
And I should say, you will never have all four of them together. They're always separated. So you, you only have three max at any time. Um, sometimes you only have two people throughout the story, uh, or even one sometimes. Um, each character has a role. So Cloud is kind of a balanced fighter. Tifa is really good at hammering the opponent's stagger bar, uh, which if you fill up the stagger bar, they go into a state where they're down, they don't attack, they take a bunch more damage. Tifa is really helpful for hammering that. Barrett can uh, hit ranged targets, and Aerith can also hit ranged targets and use uh, a bunch of different magic skills. But on top of that, you have the materia system to customize the abilities that your characters uh, can use. Materia are these, you know, magic orbs that you carry around, you slot into weapons and you can like you let's say you put the ice materia on cloud cloud can use ice magic now and there's a lot of different materia there's some that give you spells there's some that give you uh, special abilities like there's a parry materia that i found useful later on in the game there's a lot of customization so your characters have these roles to play but within those roles you can customize exactly like okay i want Cloud and Barrett to be able to heal people. And then I want Cloud and Tifa to be elemental attackers. And then I want Barrett to focus on something else. Like there's a bunch of ways you can customize this. How do you guys feel about this? I, I originally was not excited about this. I am one of those sickos that likes that old school uh, turn-based battle system. Uh, I, I mean, you, you kind of got it a little bit of it in Final Fantasy 15. You got a little bit of it in 13 as well. But I, I wasn't excited to see this game with this in it. And for the first couple of hours of the game, while I was still trying to figure out how the system worked and how to switch between characters, I was I was frustrated. I, I really didn't like it at all. It's one of the reasons that I don't want to go play uh, Intergrade because I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to relearn this battle system again. But it's <laughs> But, it, but it's fucking awesome. It's a lot of fun. Like, once you get the hang of it, I, I, I really like how fast-paced the battles become. Uh, Cloud was my healer. My main strategy was just basically to leave Barrett in the back and shoot. I didn't even switch over to him. I was just like, you do your thing, old boy. Uh, and then I would absolutely beat the living fuck out of people with Tifa. To what, what you slowly realize is, like, if you want to win a boss fight or if you want to win a battle... You have to stagger these guys. You have to figure out a way to stagger the different bad guys. And so you can unleash all your attacks on them, like in Persona 5, you know, do like the everybody jump at him at one time and fuck him up kind of thing. So while initially I was kind of put off by the battle system because I was one of those old school, this isn't my final kind of my kind of Final Fantasy kind of dudes. <laughs> I I ended up really, really loving it. I had a lot of fun with it. And I do feel like there is a steep learning curve to it. If you're not used to playing those kinds of games, coupled with me also being an idiot, I, I, I felt like there was a little <laughs> bit, it took me a little while to get into it, but I loved it. It looked great. Summons were great. The limit breaks were great. The skills you get are great. You can kind of switch what you do mid battle too, which can be super useful in terms of like how you attack. Um, but yeah, I I I liked. Uh, I, I just I, I love Tifa. I loved her combos. I love beating the shit out of people with her, staggering people. I'll stop talking about the battle system, but I, I did end up liking it way way more than I thought I did. And if you let me talk about materia, I'll go on for 30 more minutes. I refuse, but yeah, I, I love the battle system. It's okay. I got you, baby. Let me take over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The material system is absolutely fucking phenomenal. And I actually think it's insane that because actually one of the things I found about the first one was the material system allowed you to 
express yourself so much to have characters that were basically healers that weren't supposed to be. You could have Cloud be a healer if you fucking wanted to. If you wanted to deck them out that way, you could do those things, which didn't necessarily feel like that in a lot of RPGs prior to that. But the materia system, if you really got into it, could be so unique. And it's one of those games that you could uh, easy to to play, but hard to master. Essentially, when you came to the materia system, you could do insane things. And I think they managed to translate that really well when it came to modernizing it, because I hate to admit, but I also was, that was a gatekeeping ass nigga. I'm going to call it what it is. Like, I ain't going to lie. I was just like, don't change shit. If you just, I was so delicate. I was so scared. I was so scared. Nigga. Do you understand what I'm saying? Dude? I was just like, if you just make it, what literally just, just duplicate what you did. Just make the graphics better and just keep this on track and you're good. Right? And they were like, nah, but he, he took that and he actually expanded on it because the material system is still there, but they still managed to where you can do so many unique things and build your characters so different than, I mean, literally every playthrough, each character could be different than the, the last one. Um, yeah, I did myself, myself a little bit differently. I had I, I, slightly differently. Tifa was in them guts. Let me just say that real quick as far as my, mm-hmm. my play style. Um, but the fact that yeah, you could you could do that. You could have you could you, you could have Tifa just. I feel like everybody go have Tifa in them guts. Let's be honest. Like she has one build, regardless of that fact. You just she's mm-hmm. one of the first chicks you really had to just fist up. They could just just ready to scrap on anybody. It didn't matter. I just you got you guys you got Cloud with a sword as big as his body. My boy uh-huh. with a gun arm. Okay, yep. and Tifa just literally just 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 squares up. Yeah, that's that's okay? true. Yeah. Cloud and Barrett have the two most ridiculous weapons in Bruh. RPG history, and Tifa's just yeah, just fisticuffs. Yeah, the five foot two, one thirteen girl is just Damn. out here scrapping, and she <laughs> and she scraps. And they didn't, and they did again. They didn't crumb at all when it comes to her skill set. She was doing the most just brutal combos, this most savage shit. And her combos in the first one, and I assume they will elaborate that when it comes to the second one. But yeah, I, I, I love the fucking characters, the battle system. Is great. I haven't actually, they actually gave it a mode where you could switch to the old style. And, and, and again, this is coming from a gatekeeper. I was like, they better not touch shit or they're going to fuck this up. I, I thought they're going to fuck this up, Dave. Okay. Mm. I thought they're going to fuck it up. And I still never switched back to that other mode knowing it existed before even playing it. I just was immediately into the challenge of the second one, uh, the, the new style. Uh, and again, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to the second one or I guess whatever the fuck this right iteration is. What is this, Dave? Is it a trilogy? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. So there's this this after this part, two discs. There's going to be another part, and that's going to be it. Yep, I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, then yes. I really like this combat system too. This is um, like it, it feels like the it feels like Final Fantasy 15 walked. So this could run like the the combat in 15 from what I played was very similar to this, but it just wasn't as good. And they really just kind of tightened it up for this game. Uh, the thing I really like about this combat system is it is full of choices that you have to make moment to moment based on the situation in every fight. Um, there's a bit of a criticism. I think that some fights in this game last too long, but if you put them up against a long boss fight in a turn-based fight, they're still, they're either the same or they're shorter. So I'm not sure that that's a real problem. But what it does turn into is you're just full of choices to make in combat. So you're attacking, you are fighting in action combat, you're punching or swinging the sword or dodging or hanging back with Barrett shooting the gun. Um, Each character has special skills that they can use, like Barrett has a charge shot that he does. Cloud could switch into this, um, 
they call it, I think it's called Punisher mode where he swings much slower, but does a bunch more damage. He can't really run as fast in that mode. So like there's that layer of strategy. Like, what are you going to do with your skills? You can switch to other characters freely in combat. And when you're not controlling the AI characters, they will fight, but their ATB bar uh, or AP bar, as they call it in this game, Final Fantasy uh, switched the term on me. Um, As their like skill bar is recharging, if you're not controlling them, it recharges way slower. So you're really incentivized to switch characters often in combat. That was what unlocked the combat for me the like probably three quarters of the way through the first playthrough. And then for the entire second playthrough was realizing that to get the most out of the combat, I need to be switching. I need to be using skills based on the situation. And as we're recording this, my episode about final fantasy 16 came out like a week ago. And I really ragged on the combat in Final Fantasy 16 for pretending like it's deep, but not actually being that deep. It's a, I think it's a very shallow and repetitive combat system. 7 Remake is not as good as an action combat system. It doesn't feel as good as 16 does. But the decisions that you're making, the strategy is so much better, so much better that like I couldn't help but think when I was playing 16 like, why did they just abandon what they set up four years ago or three years ago in Final Fantasy VII Remake? It is so rewarding to pull yourself out of a tight situation because you made a bunch of good decisions in a row in this combat system. As in addition to playing the action game, you know, positioning yourself well, dodging out of the way, blocking at the right time, all of those things on top of RPG decisions that you would make in a turn-based fight. Like I... I I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think this is like really, really good, really creative for like adapting a turn-based combat system into an action combat system, but not losing any of the things that turn-based combat does well. You know what I mean? Like the decisions that you make, it's so fucking good. It's really good. I love it so much. This is one of the only games that I wanted to play on a higher difficulty because I heard the hard mode in this is actually really good too. And like furthers the need to master everything that you have, but I couldn't because my save data didn't transfer over from my PS4 to my PS5. So I couldn't. And I was like a little bit upset, but as it was, I played on the normal difficulty, had a great time again. Like I got other than your dodge doesn't feel great. And you, your character's control just a little bit stiff. I feel like, other than that, this is an this is an A plus combat system. Fantastic. Well, and so I never played hard mode because I I heard that uh, they don't let you use healing items, and that's basically how I survive at any video <laughs> game. So I was like, well, I'm not doing that. Uh, another thing before we move on is that uh, the this Final Fantasy game uh, uses uh, it, it it has essentially what the original one did with save points. They have these benches, and that's where you can save and rest your character. I feel like there weren't enough of them sometimes. So sometimes it felt like when I would go into a battle, kind of damaged it was like the the game wanted me to adapt to playing a perfect battle it wanted me to be like hey i'm getting you know i can't just like run into this battle and just like 
you know, mash X and think I'm going to get out of this thing. The game like forces you to figure out how to beat each enemy as effectively as possible. Because I, I, I like I said, I felt the save and rest points were too, uh, were, uh, too far away from each other. Um, one, one more thing. My last thing is if you're a fan of the original, the summons are awesome in this game. They look really great. They're super fucking powerful. If you use them correctly, they, and uh, they fight also, alongside you in this, which is new. Awesome. Yeah, it is so fucking sweet, dude. So you you summon in like you're you're fighting like a boss Shiva? fight. You you, yeah. you summon in Shiva, or I was thinking like you summon in the fat chocobo, and like <laughs> you just turn around <laughs> yeah, and you dude. see him like bouncing on someone's head. <laughs> so funny. And uh, the limit breaks are also in this game too. There is still a limit break system, and the limit breaks were one of the things I was most excited to see. And while I you didn't get to see all of them because, like I said, it's just the very beginning of the game. Uh, the ones that you did get to see were awesome. They they looked great and they were very effective. So just two of the other little things, the limits, the summons in these battle systems, still there, still awesome, still super useful. And yeah, Dave's right. The summons fight with you. It's very cool. Yeah. Again, just to, to elaborate the fact that he managed to just make everything better. Uh, a battle system that I was truly behind as far as the the old style, just the, the basic system. I was completely ready for that. I actually wished for that. And then for it to have taken it to a new level. I think you spoke on that, the fact that you could master this system, but it, or you could play this system and be able to get through it just fine if you played it just a normal level, just based on what you knew. But if you really took the time to understand the materia and how things worked, you could really master the game and things could become even easier. But I think they also did a great job of keeping that same tone as they did before. Like RPGs before at that time were not supposed to be easy. You were supposed to die. You were, you did die, especially against certain bosses. There's a amount of bosses I took so many fucking L's to in Final Fantasy VII specifically until I reassessed my, my materia, looked at my, my characters properly and had to regather myself, maybe even gain a few levels first. Um, and I feel like they did a good job of carrying that over with while still maintaining that same tone of those, not trying to make it too fucking hard nowadays. Mm-hmm. I get, I get how gamers are nowadays. And I really feel like they fucking captured, really did a good job of capturing that, that old style of, challenging you while not trying to do too goddamn much um and obviously with the hard mode which i also didn't get a chance to play i would i'll, I'll probably fuck with that at some point maybe on the next one but uh i didn't get to mess with that but i, I still felt like they did a good job of pushing you in, the, in this one yeah it, it's not an easy game um it, it definitely there were lots of fights where i felt like it took the peak of my ability playing the action game but more the peak of my strategy to get through it you know timely item use making sure to like charge up. Maybe this skill takes two AP bars instead of one, but it's actually better if you just wait for the full two, you know, like using skills wisely, exploring elemental weaknesses, uh, using buffs and stuff like that. It's all just, you know, it's, it's really, really good. And um, I don't know if either of you got a chance to play the Yuffie DLC, but Yuffie controls differently than the rest of the party in like the main game, she's way more fluid. She has a, her attacks are much more varied and it, it gives me a lot of uh, anticipation for future games. When you get more characters with more diverse move sets and stuff like that, uh, just the way Yuffie controlled made me think like, Oh, well, whoever they give you the chance to control and fight with, it's going to be fun. Cannot wait for Red 13. I cannot wait to fight with him. I was going to say, Diddy, can I take this one first, my boy? I know this is unusual. No, no, you're taking all the Red 13 content here, dude. I played, I've got I my played, Twitter followers. I played the Yuffie content. Nigga. I've been telling this nigga right. to play. Oh, you did, yeah, take the okay, Yuffie yeah, thing. Yeah. I didn't play the Yuffie thing. I've been telling this nigga to play Yuffie because although I did not finish it, I did play it and I was huh. telling, bro, 
it was so dope playing her that what they managed to make her feel like and considering how dull she kind of felt in the first one overall as far as character development and in just overall playstyle let's be honest i mean she kind of threw a threw a shirk and that was it like god damn the baby girl got an upgrade she got a glow up she all her like beyonce she glowed up and uh <laughs> and I, I i love playing her and uh-huh. i can't wait to see exactly my boy hearing about vincent god damn i mean he, all he did was shoot a shotgun that's all i'm saying and he had a whole bunch of shit going on as a character so i can't wait yeah the hope is and my expectation is that the combat system in this game seven remake was really good so in the later or in the next one part two and then part three in the future they'll keep building on top of it giving you more intense abilities or skills and at maybe adding some new battle mechanics into it like i have really high hopes for where this goes because it was already so good and they're just going to keep building on it So I think this is a good time to get into some wrap-up thoughts, recommendations, etc. before we get into that spoiler wall uh, for Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, you know, we're really just going through the motions here because I know what you guys are going to say. But, uh, Aaron, I'll kick to you first. Do you have any wrap-up thoughts about Final Fantasy VII Remake? And then who would you recommend this to? Nah, no, no real wrap-up thoughts. I mean, I'm trying to uh, keep myself, you know, grounded until I see the whole thing fleshed out. I, I was even in a place where I was like, I'm not even going to play the second game until the third game comes out. But I also said I wasn't going to play the first game until all three of them came out. So I, I'm, I'm not going to have any wrap-up thoughts because I, I don't think I have enough information here to make really, uh, you know, to, to make a real decision. The game is incredible. If you like RPGs, you will find it incredible. If you played Final Fantasy VII and you were worried about playing this game, you should not be worried. Those are my wrap-up thoughts. All right. And Ryan? Yeah, I got plenty. I'm going to make up for all of us. Buckle up again. (laughs) Um, But no, I think that uh, I'm going to full sin. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to be playing the game. I think it's the greatest piece of entertainment ever created. And it'll go down history just alongside the Bible. As far as just, just absolutely. <laughs> um, and I'm going to double down on that. We're going oh, I was about to make it, a terrible joke. Have, have, Ooh, I got to beat myself. Have, <laughs> having no idea what's coming, uh, coming in the future. But again, uh, I don't know. That's, that's how, that, that's how I feel at this point. Based on what I saw before, there's no, if they just continue that same tone, which it feels like they're going to even amplify it even more because I find it interesting that you said that even if it is going to be a three-part, if they were not to go into the open world in this next game, I would kind of feel disappointed because that was kind of the flow of the first one uh, or first going into the second part of the second disc. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, honestly, if they didn't do that in the second one, I would be shocked and very curious of what they did with the entire second one altogether. That would be fucking would blow my shit. That said, they blew my shit with the first one. Uh, and yeah, I can only assume that this is, again, 
Like I said, right, right out there with the Bible, baby. I'm uh, I'm not I'm not quite as like hyperbolic as uh, as Ryan there. Although, like, I, I don't I shouldn't criticize. I like this more than I like the Bible. So I, I guess I guess I'm with you there. Captain um, David, we gotta stop saying Bible. I'm trying to be cool here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is first of all, like I said at the top uh, of the show, this is really great as a game remake. Like, if you're interested in, you know the the craft and like the soul of remaking games as they get more and more common uh, around, especially games from our specific childhood, people that are our age, the games that we grew up playing are now being remade all the time. And so I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is a shining example of how to do it right. Um, You update the things that can and should be updated, and you maintain the spirit, the soul of the original game, which I think they absolutely did here. Um, on top of that, even if you're not interested in, or like if you don't have that connection to the original Final Fantasy VII, I would still recommend playing this if you like RPGs, because it has a good story, it has likable characters, it has a really good combat system for an, like an action RPG combat system, and yeah, great music. I mean, what what else are you looking for from an RPG, right? So I, I think that that's all in this game. It's interesting looking forward, and we're going to do that in the spoiler section. My thoughts on where they're going with the story is a big to be determined because there's a chance that they fuck this all up. They're taking a big risk with the direction they're taking this. There's a chance it's terrible, but I have faith because the first one is that good that uh, I, I think that it is and it is going to end up being good as they go through the rest of this trilogy. But yeah, this is great. This is a uh, a game that I'm I'm very happy to spend already almost two hours talking about, and even more in the spoiler section after we do a little bit of housekeeping here. So, uh, like I said at the beginning, Aaron is one of my co-hosts on my other podcast. It's called a Top Three Podcast. Uh, Aaron, what what is uh, what's that show all about, and what kind of knuckleheads do we do that show with? Well, the show is all about top threes. We uh, pick a category, we each lay out our three favorites, and we yell and make fun uh, of each other. Um, usually a couple beers involved, you know, maybe some meth. You know, maybe if you're real cool, some of that super sweet alien meth. Yeah, we uh, only do the alien meth when we record on Tuesdays. When we talk about food, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and record on Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, we do it with our friends Alan and Bloodbath, who uh, are in the Discord, but are never in the Discord. Uh, but yeah, come on over, it's a good old drunken time. Hear Dave get mad. He's very he's conservative on this. He gets mad on top three. It's a different vibe from this show, hundred percent. I was gonna say I don't get mad, but I do get mad sometimes. Alan's just a real a real piece of work. Oh, you only get mad at Alan, not at me. I'm great all the time no, and a ab- professional. Absolutely never. You're the most professional person I've ever met, which is why I kicked it to you, uh, pretending like I don't know what happens on my other podcast that I edit and do everything else for. So yeah. L- love you, baby. <laughs> That's a good time. Uh, so check that out. If you would like to uh, support the show, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to help other people find this episode, you can tell them about it spread the good word, but you can also leave a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podcast Addict. If you would like to join the conversation, uh, as Aaron mentioned, we have that Discord server. It is a lively, friendly, welcoming, and fun community. We would love to have you. And like we said, Alan and Bloodbath are legally there, but they're not really there. So it's cool. Don't worry. Trust us. It's cool. 
They won't show up. Yeah, they won't show up. Uh, even if you say their name three times in front of a mirror, they won't show up. So uh, come on in, <laughs> talk about Final Fantasy VII with us, talk about the remake, talk about the future of the series. I think we're going to have some fun discussions about that uh, as this episode is going to drop just a couple weeks before Rebirth comes out. Finally, if you would like to support the show monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash Jackson. There's a link down in the show notes. And at, uh, at all levels on Patreon, you can listen to the show a few days early. Actually, you don't even have to be a patron to do that. That's free for everybody. You can listen to the show a few days early. But if you sign up, then you get to vote in polls for what games I do. You get bonus episodes. I have a bonus retro gaming series called Tales from the Way Backlog. That's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Jackson. With all of that, we are going to take a little break when we come back. Full spoiler time for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And again, full spoilers for the entire original Final Fantasy VII. We are back and it's full spoiler time for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And again, we are going to spoil the entire story of the original Final Fantasy VII in this discussion as well. So if you don't want to be spoiled on either one of those things, please uh, kindly get the fuck out. So uh, before we talk about things that changed in here, uh, before we talk about the whispers and before we kind of look forward to how we think the rest of this series might go... I do want to talk just about our favorite moments throughout the story that we didn't want to, you know, spend time in when we're talking about the generalities. So I will just get us started with one thing that I thought was very funny. Um, The part when you go to Shinra HQ and you have the choice of taking the elevator or taking the stairs, if you take the stairs, you climb up 59 flights of real video game stairs. And the banter between your party when you're going up is so fucking good. It is very funny. Like Barrett is like wheezing on his way up there. Tifa is like 18 floors ahead of everybody else because she's just in the best shape, I guess. It's just a really great like character moment, the three of them together. But it's also very funny. Dude, there were I mean, there were a couple like because I I was always looking forward to like the big moments and stuff, you know, Uh, one of the things. uh, So it it always kind of caught me off guard when something different happened. One of the my favorite moments of the game are when you go to Jesse's parents house 
to mm-hmm. steal like her dad's like ID card. They they do they do a lot better job with Jesse, Wedge, and Biggs in this game. And yeah. without going into the whispers too much, I'm pretty sure Wedge is still alive, which he very much is not uh, in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, so I'm excited to see like where that goes with it. But it was really cool to get another perspective of them because you know they're they're really really important in Final Fantasy VII. But you go 65 hours in that game without ever thinking about them. So it, it was really cool how they made them such a big part of the story in this game. I love that you go to Jesse's house because you need to steal her dad's key card to get into Shinra headquarters, or I, at least I believe that's what happened. But that was really, really cool to me. The fight at the top of the Shinra building, like one, one of the things I was looking forward to was Sephiroth like coming in and killing President Shinra. And it was really cool that in this game you get to see it happen. You just don't walk into his office and see him dead with like Sephiroth's sword Mm -hmm. uh, in his back. And then one other big, big moment to me that I was literally like, oh shit, is when Sephiroth killed Barrett. Yeah. I was like, what in the fuck? No way. Is 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 that what they're doing? Is 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 Eris cool? Is fucking Barrett the guy in this one? Because <laughs> now I care about him after this game. Like, so I the the things I really liked about the game, like I I, I had a lot of fun playing through all the different like things that I had already gone through, but it was those little things that I didn't expect where they changed the story, which again, when we get to the end and you know, talk about you know where we think the storyline is gonna go. Uh, I'll be like, you know, I'll be more ready to talk about that. But I love doing those little things that were not a part of the first game at all. Like mm-hmm. the, like I said, like going to Jesse's parents' house. One of my favorite parts of the game, even though it's really stupid, just a lot of exposition into Jesse and Wedge and Biggs and some of the minor characters. I, I got the most enjoyment out of little things like that. So, all right, for, for me, since we're referring mainly to the spoilers, I'm going to refer to the first game as the first second was going to be more in the expectation. But uh, yeah, for me, just seeing that, f- that first fucking fight when you're fighting over the plate falling is fucking nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. The drama around that is fucking so, so fucking high. It's where things really start to be like, holy shit. Okay, this is getting fucking real. The game really starts to develop. I'm going to give one more shout out to my boy Red 13 because he'd go when you see my boy for the first time and you're like, who the fuck is this? But the my boy looking like a like a... <laughs> Like a weird for like a just a mutation form of Charizard, he ends up being like, oh shit, this nigga is just a legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, see it here for the first time is also wonderful. Yeah, I, I thought they did that section where you're in Hojo's lab uh, really well. Like, very cool. Remember, if I remember right, in the original game, like either it takes you prisoner or you like willingly go in. Like, there's a scene in the original game where they're all like in these different bedrooms or prison cells. I don't quite remember, and then you have to fight your way out. And you fight those those like mechanical centipede monsters and shit like that. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. You, uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and there's all those like blood marks all yeah, over yeah. the floor from where I, I, it was either Sephiroth or he had like let out Genova or something like that. Right, yeah. You just wake up in the true. middle of the night and your doors that. are open and shit. That was eerie as fuck. Yeah. That yeah. was probably one of my but like in, in this game, they, they changed that up a bit. The Hojo's lab section in this game is not uh, one of my favorites. It, it's that's one of the parts that goes on way too long. It is too long, and and when I replayed it, I was like, this part this takes like five fucking hours to get through this. But at the end, you fight that mechanical flying centipede monster again, and uh, it's a nice little callback. But at least Brian, at least you get to tell Red Thirteen to go like wall run over and and jump and pull a switch for you that's not not good enough for you 
Don't do this, Dave. <laughs> no, Don't no, you know this, that's bro. not. So one one of the things that I thought was uh, really really cool is, and and I was I'm, I'm kind of like where Striden was earlier, where like Sephiroth is one of my favorite video game villains of all time. And in the first game, you, I mean, I bet you see and talk to him more in this game than he had total screen time in the original Final Fantasy VII. I mean, you said you see him like like pretty. I mean, I mean, you you have to see him like pretty quickly early on in the game, and you know that. Okay, you don't want to talk about whispers and stuff like that yet, but one of those things that I really liked about Sephiroth in the original Final Fantasy game was that he was almost like the White Walkers in the Game of Thrones, where like it was more so his presence or like what he could possibly be doing or where he could possibly be. That was kind of the scariest thing about him is that you didn't know much about him and you didn't see a lot about him. I think him... I mean, there's so much I want to talk about without talking about like the whispers and stuff like that. But I I just think he was in this game too much. I think it kind of takes away from him being like as scary of a villain as he was in the first game. But I think there is a a good explanation as to why that 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 could be, which if we talk about it here in a little bit, I'll bring up. But that was that. But I did think it was like really cool. Like, you know, they want you to know if you never played this game before, this is Sephiroth. He yeah. is the bad guy. Th- that's the thing. And like, I think I said this in the non-spoiler part, like there was no way that they were not going to have Sephiroth in this entire game. There's just no, he's too popular. There's no way they're going to do that. And I, I don't think that for an entire game, if you're looking at a game and like the narrative steps that a self-contained story has to take, I don't think that the uh fuck what are they called the rude and and reno what are the turks i don't think i don't think the turks are strong enough villains to carry it by themselves and i don't think heidegger is a strong enough villain to carry that by himself either so sephiroth had to be like that that climactic point but it is different he's like he basically just shows up to taunt cloud throughout this story. Uh, (laughs) just kind of, he shows up, he's like, what's up cloud, you punk bitch. And then he just disappears (laughs) for like, disappears for five hours. You don't know. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which is really different. Um, I didn't say this in the non-spoiler part because I I wanted to keep the conversation moving. I don't really think Sephiroth is that cool. I, I think it missed me. I was, you know, when I played this, I was already like, now Kefka is the shit. Kefka is the Final Fantasy villain. Sephiroth's fine, but Sephiroth never did it for me in the original game. And I'm not sure what they're setting up here. We'll talk about it in a bit, but Sephiroth's definitely more of a presence. And I, I'm, it's still to be determined whether I think it's good because I think it's just kind of incomplete Sephiroth's role in this. I don't know what's going to happen now. So. One other uh, thing I wanted to kind of highlight, one other memorable thing about this is something that happened in the original game. Two things. Uh, number one, just seeing Aerith's house is just beautiful. Mind-blowing. Beautiful it's gorgeous. Place. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. The music's incredible. It's um, the fucking best. Yeah. Her her house is so great. That's the one place in the game where I would just be like, I'm just going to like set it here. Retire and just here. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, you know what? I'm, I'm hanging up the buster sword. No more bombings for me. I'm just going to go fucking <laughs> chill in this flower patch. You're just like, instead like, uh, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> uh, the, the other Do thing, not entertain my thoughts. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, when the plate falls, um, is like, it feels like it has like the, the gravity that it should 
the 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 moment it's a big moment it's a devastating thing and uh one cool thing in the Yuffie DLC you get to see the plate fall from the upper level so you get that top down view on the plate falling you're just like oh shit that's way worse than they showed you in the like in the main game that's pretty cool and they tag you with that Kate Sith fucking promo right there when the plate falls. You're just like the complete devastation. And then for like four seconds, it just cuts to Kate. So I'm like, what the fuck is Kate Sith? You know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. He's he's, he's, he's information guy, dude. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to see what they do with him in the next game. (laughs) If they're even going to like, like, I don't personally think he should be like a playable character or whatever, but, or that he won't be anyways. But then they showed his face. I was like, fuck fuck they're gonna have kates in this game aren't they uh one other thing i wanted to say about uh you know some of the things they do in this game that they did in the original one but in different ways uh so in the uh so they have these like group events where you have to do like button combos and all do like the same stuff together to like pull levers or do whatever the fuck those were like some different golden saucer games in the original where you had to just exactly match up with another like your arm wrestling or something uh and one thing that i thought was really cool was there's that moment in both games where where uh eris's mom comes to you and she's like hey dude you're too dangerous for Eris. You got to sneak out in the middle of the night. And in the first game, you had to sneak out in the middle of the night without doing something. And then in this game, you had to sneak out without knocking stuff over or something like that. So it was cool that they gave you the same mini game, just playing it in two different ways. I always thought was neat. thought there were a couple things in this game that were like that, but yeah, no, I, I, I really, really enjoyed like, uh, I, I don't know, seeing, seeing scenes from the original game, uh, in this one, they, oh, dude. there's almost none that I can think of that. I was like, Oh, I like the original one better. Dude, the, the scene where they're interrogating Don Corneo and like Aerith and Tifa are basically <laughs> like, I'm going to rip your fucking penis off. If you don't tell me what you need, what I need <laughs> to know. Not so much entendre there. No, she, so, she don't start the so base, bro. <laughs> Again, the simple point being is the fact that I just I just love the fact that just the detail that they brought to her and just being able to see her point blank. It also made it more difficult just to see Cloud just fucking up. But that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I do I do love how fleshed out everything is. The game is fantastic. Uh, it blew my expectations completely the fuck out the water. I can't fucking wait. Um, the the other one, not not just with Tifa, Jesse also. Jesse is bad. She is the thirstiest Final Fantasy uh-huh. character in the history oh, yeah. of Final Fantasy. True. And Cloud, she like you. Cloud is just like... Me when I was 14. No, he plays the classic goth kid perfectly. Where he's like, you calls himself he, like he's, night pain. He's kind of a pansy dude. Yeah, he just yeah. calls people fast. Just like, like honestly, that's how he comes off hard like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tifa's dope. Aerith, again, I love Aerith. And although her, her I mean, her, her approach is very basic. She's just a very much a, just a... She's just a very country bitch. You know what I'm saying? She's chilling. She's trying to sell some flowers and really just trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. And then Tifa's trying, I mean, Tifa's trying to sell a couple of beers, be a little rowdy. I mean, maybe fight a nigga too in a, in a brawl like every once in a while. Catch mm-hmm. And it's a different, completely different vibe. And I understand that. But Aerith is gone. Like, it, this didn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, but although that said, though, the way I wanted to bring this up, the music that transitioned for Aerith when she died, nigga, is still to this day is probably some of the best ever done just the way that they narrated that scene when and because they narrated where Eric died and then you see the white material drop out of her like whatever out of her hair 
and the music starts just as the white material hits the very first like whatever fucking step that she dies off of in the first one and this is and the music is still the her normal theme song but it's different and it's like it's empty in a bit it's missing certain instruments and everything and it's like holy fuck and then right as you go into the boss fight it's the music doesn't stop it doesn't break it's still you still have that just very empty fucking sombering music knowing that she did and that's nigga this nigga we were cool bro we was cool i understand you had some difference of opinion my boy you were a little and then you're gonna kill my bitch that was crazy i had to drop her off in the water just literally just it was crazy <laughs> and then again the music though that played right as you fought genova again he's like no nah, i'm gonna kill you bitch and i ain't really gonna let you do nothing you got to fight this now and the music played right into that it was perfect literally i think like one of the most well illustrated just and, and do parts of a, of a game ever I, I fucking love that part of, of, of that game and uh, that's one of my if i wanted to wait to the spoiler part to bring that up though this is this is where we because we're, we're, we're talking around yeah. the important thing right gonna, here with the yeah, whispers and what the theories are here right, because yeah. this because what, what do you think things are going to change yeah. and why Let me set this up, what the whispers are. Uh, for people who are listening and don't care about spoilers, I know they're there. And kind of, we'll get our thoughts about the whispers, and then we'll talk about how much, if anything, we think is actually going to change. So, um, one of, there, there's two key things about them. The first thing is, characters in Final Fantasy VII Remake seem like they either know or they have like repressed memories about the original game the events of the original game so like Aerith knows about Sephiroth Cloud is remembering Cloud gets visions about stuff that happens way later in the original game um, Cl- there's a vision actually of Cloud laying Aerith down in the water after she dies like they the camera shows it so you can't see that it's Aerith but if you played the original game you know that that's the scene and Cloud is having a vision of this so that is happening like characters seem like they know things that they shouldn't know or like they're at least having like a an emergence of memories going on the other thing that's happening is you have these these whispers then they they look they're ghosts basically that pop up when things happen that would push the story off of the track of the original game so to give some examples um when you first meet Aerith in the church and you fight against Reno, the whispers, like Reno is winning the fight. Reno is about to take Aerith away and the whispers come in and help you save Aerith because that's not what happened in the original game. They didn't kidnap Aerith during that scene. There are lots of parts early in the game where the whispers come to push you away and keep you on the track and you have to fight them a bunch of times. When you first meet Aerith, you have to fight them because they I don't know. They thought like cloud and earth were getting too familiar or some shit. I don't know, but like they, they want to keep that on the track. Another scene later when the plate gets separated and they're going to drop the plate on the slums, you're going to go try and stop it. And the whispers stop you from stopping the plate separation process. So the whispers are there. 
in the game's story as just like these arbiters of fate, basically. They want to keep the destiny going. But I think this is a clear meta sign from the developers that these whispers represent all the fans who are really loud about not wanting to change anything about the story. Is that that like track with you guys? Is that the impression you got too? Yes, because that that's what it is. That's one hundred percent. Did they did is. they just like straight up say that? No, no. But <laughs> it's just like, like this it, is these it, motherfucking it, people telling us not to change anything in the story. Yeah, I, yeah I, I don't think they're mad or anything about like that. I think it's more of like a way of telling us like, hey, like you can. You know, there's only so close we can stay to the original story. Something has to change, and the introduction of these things tell me, or the introductions of the whispers tell me that they are letting you know that there is a possibility for change in this story. And if there is a possibility for change, then there is 100% going to be change, right? right? Well, the the thing is, like, they're introducing the whispers. The whispers are the thing that's keeping the story on track with the original. So like you said earlier, Sephiroth kills Barrett, but then the whispers come in and they bring Barrett back to life. So mm-hmm. now Barrett's not dead. It's just President Shinra killed by Sephiroth, just like it happened in the original. This is what I meant when I said like, they go about things differently, but overall the plot is still the same in this game as it was in the original. But at the end of this game, you kill the whispers basically signaling now anything is possible. Yeah. Sephiroth makes you fight what is essentially destiny. And I watched a little video today and Sephiroth basically summons like these three creatures that are supposed to represent destiny. One of them use their fist. One has a sword. One has a gun kind of just like Barrett and uh, cloud and Tifa. And it's kind of like their way of or at least what the video had said to me was like, this is a way to show that like they are destroying their future selves, that there is no guarantee that the things that happened in the original game are going to happen. Now, What's, what's the wild card in all of this? It's Sephiroth, right? Why is Sephiroth here? Why is he here? Why is he fucking with things so much? And the one conclusion that I can come to is that he knows that at the end, Cloud's going to kill him. He knows that. So he has to interfere as much as possible to make sure that that doesn't happen ag- again. This mm-hmm. was the, the the big thing that it came to me with Sephiroth anyways. You know, I said earlier how I was like, okay, so Sephiroth does this for this reason. The reason is, is he knows he's going to lose. And he knows the only way that he doesn't lose is to sow as much discord and chaos as humanly possible. And that's why he's so prevalent in this game, especially with Cloud, especially with Ares right at the beginning, you know? So I, I, I don't want to do the, the, the multi multiverse theory the the multiple timeline theory like because it just seems too you know on the nose but but it is right like 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 that's what it is i i think so because uh one of the biggest differences the the biggest difference other than you killing the whispers is that there's a scene at the very end of the game where zach is alive and uh zach was dead in the original game died at the end of crisis core i think like they they explain this to you in the original game but zach is dead it's hard to watch yeah um and so there's a a scene at the very end of this game where zach survives the fight he picks up cloud and he carries cloud and zach and cloud pass through our party of cloud tifa Aerith. Barrett and Red 13 walking down the road. So like there are multiple, there are at least multiple dimensions, multiple timelines going on. 
So I think that's definitely happening because you see two realities basically at the end. One where Zack is dead, or one where Zack is alive and carrying Cloud, and then one where he's presumably dead because Cloud is with the rest of the group. Yeah, and it's not something I love, but uh, but like I've said this multiple times, and so have you, and so has Stride, and you have to hope that the game did a good enough job in the beginning to let you know, like, this game did a good enough job for me to trust they know what they're doing going forward. I thought the end was kind of, I I thought that it was a bit much, it was a lot all at one time, Um, but the the main person in all of this, I think, is is Sephiroth, and he is the one who, well, I I don't think he's gonna, you know, what was his purpose in the original game? to bring the meteor to release all the energy on the planet to make himself a god basically i i i don't know if that's still like his his end game here i'm I'm not really sure what his end game is but he is in every single facet of fucking up the timelines or at least fucking up the timeline that he knows to be true which is the original final fantasy game and it, it it's 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 all very losty Right. The, the, this whole game just reminds me of Lost to a degree with like the, the flashbacks and the flash forwards and the, the weird meta-ness about the whole thing. But I love Lost, so I'm excited to, f- to figure this shit out. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are all both smarter, way smarter than me. I, I was just like, there's a bunch of just wispy ass ghosts going on. I don't know what's going on. I had to watch a video. I'm yeah. Just be busting ass wide open with this Tifa. That's really kind of all it came down to. I didn't think about it. None of that. <laughs> yeah. So that's tight though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I played the game twice, you know, I'm I'm taking notes for a podcast, so it helps me with this stuff too. Um in, interesting like other stuff that happens, there is a part where Hojo is going to tell Cloud the truth about who he is, which is like way later in the story than he actually, you know, learns uh or you learn what's going on with Cloud and his real identity. Um, but the whispers come and take Hojo away before he can say something. And then there was one other thing, which I thought was really interesting. There's a mandatory like Shinra museum section of Shinra HQ. And they're doing like a presentation talking about the ancients. And like, you just learned that Aerith is one of the ancients and you know what Mako is, et cetera. And you get a vision of Sephiroth calling the meteor and he kills Tifa in this scene. So I think that this kind of sets up like a really interesting future for the series where you have like broken free of destiny basically by killing the whispers, but you've also removed the protections that everyone who survives the original game would have the plot armor. Basically they can't die because they didn't die in the original. Well, you just killed destiny very JRPG ass thing to do. Uh, but you just killed destiny. So now anyone could die. So you see a, uh, a vision of Tifa dying in the future and, uh, Zach is alive in one timeline or whatever. So like, how is this going to work? How is this all going to play out? I know it's so fucking cool, dude. I I am so excited to play uh, the rest of this shit because the only thing that could be better than Final Fantasy VII is a different version of Final Fantasy VII that is completely upgraded in every other way. Like I said, I I don't think this game could really disappoint me. I think if they went the route and Tifa did end up dying or Kate Sith becomes the main character or whatever, <laughs> like if they do it properly, I'm not going to be upset. I think that's one of the greatest things about looking forward to this next game is, okay, you really don't know. And the people who created this game really don't want you to know what's coming next. Now, is that to 
you know, trick us and then kind of do a lot of the same things. I, I, I don't think so. I think the locations are going to be the same, but I think the overall story and, and what happens to these characters is going to be a, a lot different. At least that that's what the end of this game led me to believe. Okay. So just got to ask since we're on this train now. So like, if you take the rest of the game from the original stuff after Midgar, cut it in half. Does Aerith die at the end of part two of three? Is that is yes. that basic? That's basically where this is leading, right? It's the yeah, perfect I, I, time. I, I, I think so. If she, if she dies at right, all, right? That 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 part in the story, I mean, is is part at the end of part two. So the the question is, are they really going to commit to this? Are they going to change this? Is Aerith going to survive? Is someone else going to die in her place? How is this going to go? I mean, I'd be surprised if she doesn't get her shit beat. But mm-hmm. I I mean. I, I mean, everything me and me as a child always hoped that she wouldn't. Right. Um, but I think it would also be Loki almost oddly enough disappointing if she didn't, um, just because it really fueled the holes, like third part of the game. But uh, if she doesn't, fuck yeah. And I would be very curious to see what they did after that, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of speculation, even at this point. You know, it's just the fact that we're asking questions about it is is, is good. I think it's good for the series and is good for the game. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to know exactly what's coming, but the fact that I'm like, oh, shit could get real backwards. It, it's pretty exciting to me. Like, like, I'm not scared of it like I was to play the first game. I, I'm excited to play it. There's. All right. So there's one reason why I think she'll survive. And this is just kind of putting puzzle pieces together that might not actually fit. But uh, there's a quote from Aerith kind of late in the game where she says, every time the whispers touch me, I lose a part of myself. And to me, that signifies that the whispers are, you know, they're going they're the ones that are keeping her on this track towards eventually dying. But now you just killed the whispers. So that is gone now. I think it's possible that someone else dies in Aerith's place. I think it's possible that she doesn't die at all, that, that they, they just, you know, change that it would be odd for them to not have something like that in the next game. And we also have a multiple reality thing going on, I think. So Aerith in the timeline with our party might die, but they might learn about this other timeline somehow. And I don't know, Zach and Aerith come out of the other timeline to join the party or something like, cause I, th- I think in the next game you get to play as Zach I don't know if it's going to be alongside the other characters or like in his own timeline or something, but that is something that happens. So I don't know, man, it might be, there might be some real lost shit lost as in yeah, the TV dude, this show sounds shit. like we're talking about lost after an episode of Lost. So this, the thing I want to say, like, just to wrap up that thought is we're talking about this. Like we used to talk about lost and lost the show wrote a bunch of checks that they ultimately could not cash entirely. Uh, I mean, I still love it, but they did not really cash all the checks they wrote. I think this story, the way we've been talking about it, the endless possibility, the things that they have introduced into it, on top of the fact that I think they are still going to continue the story with Sephiroth and Genova and the Meteor and all of that shit, I think that's all still going to happen. This uh, this could suck. Like it could end in just a really bad and unsatisfying way. It's it's a possibility. Yeah, I 
I think it's, I think I've been disappointed way more by movies and TV shows uh, and the way they decide to end things. I think video games do usually do a pretty good job of wrapping things up. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, like it's, it's hard to end stuff and 99% of all endings are terrible. So like if it ends bad, well, it's just like, uh, uh, you know, two RPGs I played this year already. So I, I don't, I, I don't think it'll destroy my, uh, I don't think it'll destroy my view of the original game. If, if they don't end it the way I want them to, because no. the original game didn't have the best ending either. You know? No, I, I, I agree. Like I said, at the, at the beginning, I, I think, pretty much everything involving Sephiroth and Genova and cloud falling in the life stream and all of that. Like, I don't really like any of that as a story. It's not interesting to me. Like one of the things that I kind of dislike about the original game. And I dislike this about final fantasy 16 is they set up this interesting world and this interesting motivation for the characters in final fantasy seven. It's this you know, save the planet from the the evil capitalist corporation and all of that. And in Final Fantasy 16, it's the plight of these uh, the bearers, the slaves, and this this class warfare and this uh, political drama. And in both games, um, 16 and 7, they totally abandon that for just we have a villain that's out of we have a JRPG villain that's out of control and is going to try and become a god and end the world and all of that. Um, I still think they're going to abandon that later on. Like, I don't think part three of Final Fantasy VII Remake or Final Fantasy VII Retribution, that's my guess for what the last one's going to be called. Like a diehard trilogy, uh, diehard yeah, title. Yeah. yeah. Um, Final Fantasy VII Retribution is still not going to be about saving the planet from Shinra or whatever. It's going to be about stopping Sephiroth and maybe some other weird spacey wacy shit but my guess I don't is know. It, it's interesting at least Tifa stroke. Cause she saved mm-hmm. a whole motherfucking click by the fact that she, mm-hmm. she bring that nigga back from the brink of just absolute fucking goddamn into destruction. But that is fact. I what is uh Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I am very curious about what they're going to go into with the forgot that you could, because that it's a, I didn't notice a, uh, a single part of what you had mentioned earlier, as far as this, the, the the overlapping possible worlds and, and, and possible uh, dimensions and shit. That's crazy. That's crazy. I was blown away. I was almost like seeing the game for the first time when you were talking about that. Um, so I don't know what to expect from, from that at all. Now the whispers were always very fucking goddamn random though. Um, and I, again, did not think about the fact that, that it all had the real, real, real depth. I remember being bringing it up is wondering what the fuck it was. I was like, I don't know, nigga, the ghost. And I was uh-huh. I just went back to bean breaks. Clean off. It took me a while to figure it out too. So, what if Sephiroth's the good guy? You know, um, this is something I've been floating around in my head. Oh, like, dude. like, what if he's what if he's pulling the strings in like the right ways? What if he's trying to do something righteous? All right, so that that's interesting. So, Sephiroth's backstory from like the original game is that he was like this war hero, right? And then got disillusioned or or whatever because of what they did to Genova, I think. So yeah, there there is a possibility that Sephiroth is is fighting for good, and the reason I think that that's not ridiculous is there is promo art or a trailer or something for Part Two Rebirth where Cloud and Sephiroth are fighting together on the same team. It might be just that flashback scene when Cloud and I, I think and I, I think are, it probably is yeah fighting in uh, what was that calm. Nibbleheim. Nibbleheim. Damn it. 
second time where they're fighting, where they're fighting in there, but it could be something in our timeline where they're fighting together. Not sure. Yeah. I, 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 I really don't think that's the case. And I really do think based on, you know, what Eris and what Sephiroth did, the like they're, they're going to have to meet at some point too. I, I think Eris is probably going to die again, but like I said, it's all speculative at this point. I, I, I don't know. And I think the game ended the way I ended the game ended itself, not wanting you to know and not wanting you to be sure and not having you have expectations for the second game, like you did for the first game. So my prediction is that Sephiroth still does kill Aerith. And then after that, he gives some sleepy voice acted line where he's like, Cloud, there are some destinies you cannot change or something like that. <laughs> Sometimes the clouds only come out in May. I don't know. I'm not good at, I'm not good at lines. <laughs> Time to take out the trash, Cloud. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems like a good place to end the conversation. So, uh, Ryan, Aaron, thank you guys for coming on, talking about uh, another RPG. Uh, looking forward Garp. to uh, f- to part two. I-, I feel like I'm going to have to jump on this like the day it comes out, so I don't get like horribly spoiled on everything that happens. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't fucking wait. Thank you so day much one. for having me here, brother. Yeah, yeah brother. Always a fun time, man. All right. Awesome. So for everybody listening, thank you all for listening. As always, uh, really appreciate that. Um, if you want to jump in the Discord server and share thoughts about uh, what you think is going to happen in Rebirth, and then we're going to have a special channel set up, kind of like we do in the Discord server now for uh, for the new games and stuff. I imagine by this by the time this game comes out, uh, we'll have the Yakuza channel as Infinite Wealth has come out recently we will have the maybe the Baldur's Gate channel will still be going as that's like the longest game ever but we'll definitely have one set up for this game so if you want to come in and talk about it as you play uh, join the discussion with everyone there's an invite link down in the show notes to uh, join the discord server so with all that being said thank you everybody again for listening tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog